And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and the Hagman Report, coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in northwest Pennsylvania. Thank you, Global Star Radio Network, for your belief uh, in running our program and keeping us uh, on the air. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your belief and your trust in us. As we get through this news, this significant news, it seems like... uh, seems like the news just keeps coming and coming uh, every hour. It's a new headline. It's a new headline worthy of a new edition of a new uh, newspaper, almost. And uh, that's what we're dealing with. Uh, of course, we've got uh, a great program lined up for you today. The opening segment of this is going to set up the final hour. Look, I have written uh, many times in the past about uh, the fact that World War III will begin in Syria. And I think that we really have to pay attention to what's taking place with respect to um, the tensions that are rapidly on the rise in Syria and the rhetoric that is being, that is between Russia and the United States. Uh, you've got, it's my belief that you've got a commander-in-chief that is not really in charge of of what is taking place with respect to the military uh, goings-on geopolitically and and very specifically in Syria. Remember Zygmunt Brzezinski. Remember what he was all about, the man that just recently died. Remember what he was all about. Remember He his homeland was Poland. Mika, his daughter, Morning Joe, MSNBC. But you go back to Brzezinski, you go back to Carter, you go back to that era, the Iran Contra or the uh, I'm sorry, the Afghanistan uh, situation, the creation of the Taliban, the creation of the freedom fighters in Afghanistan for the sole purpose of taking down, taking out Russia, or the the Soviet Union at that time. He was the architect. He was the architect back in the Carter era of taking out the Soviet Union. And again, understand that, that Brzezinski was Polish in heritage. He wanted some payback. And he the organizations, the CFR, the, uh, the Trilateral Commission, his position, his position on various NGOs and his influence in the government, um, this is all part and parcel to what the United States did to Russia, or to, at that time, the Soviet Union, and the takedown, and, and the war in Afghanistan, and how Brzezinski was the architect of, to to create Russia's Vietnam, so to speak. Remember back then, the joke was, how do you say Vietnam in Russian? It's Afghanistan. 
This is what was taking place back in uh, back in the Carter era. And, of course, Brzezinski just uh, assumed room temperature here within the last couple of weeks. Now we're seeing an entirely new, well, I shouldn't say new, but, but the continuation of uh, this rush to war with Russia. Think bigger than you are, everyone. This is my admonition to, to people. Think bigger. Think on a larger scale. You're seeing tensions rise in Russia, but you're also seeing things take place that that are that are leading us into a global conflict. This is what has been desired. This is the this is a desired outcome. If you're not if your mind is not thinking global war or war Russia in the United States Russia China versus the United States then you're not thinking big enough Brzezinski the architect Kissinger as well you know the usual players this is where we're at Russia has warned the United States, and again, I don't believe that Donald Trump, as president, has much control over this at this moment, any more than JFK had control over the Bay of Pigs operation. This is being run by neocons, and, and you have to look at it, I think, in that in that way. Remember, Obama. In Clinton, remember what they did in the Middle East to reformat the power structure of the Middle East. So important to get us where we are today. The Arab Spring that they created, that the Western intelligence agencies created to bring us to the point where we are today. The, um, and, and folks, again, if you're not thinking at this level, if you're not thinking this big, if you're not understanding that this was Brzezinski's dream back during the Carter era, this was this is the the Wolfowitz doctrine, which Joe talks about, the um, uh, PNAC, uh, all of these documents, all of these neocon in quotation marks, air quotes, I guess. This is where we're headed. Sure, there's headlines, you know, attacks here and attacks there. These are going to happen, and they will continue to happen and rise. This is all part, this is the collateral effect of what we have seen take place to date. Do not minimize, however, the bigger picture, or understate the bigger picture. The bigger picture is global conflict. Remember, they want to, they, they, the, the population reduction. It's critical to understand what their goals are, and that's to take out the majority of the population here in the Northern Hemisphere, United States included. There will be no winners in a war of this nature. Now we've got the United States shooting down a Syrian air, um, uh, fighter before and up to and up to this point proxy wars. And again, I take you back to Arab Spring. The Brzezinski Taliban, the Brzezinski creation of uh, uh, ultimately ISIS, of ISIL, 
Daesh, Boko Haram, all of these groups are splinter groups, but most importantly are proxy groups fighting on behalf of the neocons of the New World Order, the globalists, I guess. It's no secret. That's what's taking place right now. Benghazi. Who were the attackers in Benghazi? Who attacked the CIA compound in Benghazi? Well, it was, it was El Nusra, it was this, it was that. Who are they, who, who are they proxies for? The Russians. If you look at the entire landscape of the Middle East, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's a proxy war until it's not anymore. Now we're getting to that point. You can read my articles that HomelandSecurityUS.com. I've published them for the last five years there about World War III will begin in Syria. And this is exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing the groundwork laid for a global conflict. And, and this is what, this is where we need to keep our eyes. This is what we need to pay attention to. It's these globalists that are doing this. And, you know, part and parcel to this. <clears throat> and no one person has no one investigator, no one, no one person in the alternative media has the, um, the, uh, uh, copyright on the news or on the headlines or on the stories, right? Or the answers. This has got to be a joint effort to expose the globalists for their actions and what they're doing and their end game objectives. But we all have to think bigger. I would urge everyone to think bigger than what you're thinking. Really, at this moment, it is moving from a hot proxy war to a very dangerous toe-to-toe U.S. v. Russia, China. Type. you got other countries getting involved. That's you have right. Iran getting involved. Uh, North Korea has been involved. And, and Russia. Um, the There's an article from the AP just from a few hours ago. Tensions rise in Syria as Russia, Iran send U.S. warnings. Russia on Monday threatened aircraft from the U.S.-led coalition in Syria, controlled airspace, and suspended a hotline intended to avoid collisions in uh, for the U.S. military shooting down a Syrian warplane. The U.S. had set it down the Syrian jet a day earlier after it dropped bombs near the U.S.-backed Syrian Democratic Forces conducting operations against the Islamic State group, adding that it was something it would not tolerate. So what they're saying is that the Syrian uh, jet or or government dropped bombs near U.S.-backed Syrian forces as they were in operations against the Islamic State. But uh, this question, you know, why are we bombing or fighting the Syrian government who is in turn fighting ISIS? I thought ISIS was our enemy. There is a lot of, of players here, as as my dad laid out, and this has been going on for a while. And this was the plan. Uh, this is why they started the Arab Spring. We have a, a few minutes until keep, we're keep gonna... your. By the way, keep your eyes on Highway Two between Baghdad and Damascus. There's, um, in fact, uh, this is extremely important. The United States are setting up have set up bases along this highway. This is kind of like no man's land between uh, Iraq and Syria. And a lot of the mercenary type 
operations are being conducted along this highway. This is where a lot of the uh, Highway 2 between Baghdad and Damascus. Okay, get out of the world map and, and, and look at that. So understand that there are a lot of things taking place there with respect to uh, uh, some of these subgroups. But in, in, in one more thing, as we look at this, you also have to understand, too, that this is not just about war and depopulation. This is about drugs. This is about the, the running of drugs, the running of, of um, uh, human trafficking. This is about the running of, of uh, sex slaves. This is about all the, of the spoils of war yet not realized and having been realized. Drugs, money sex slaves and even even organ harvesting as crazy as all of that sounds that's all under this particular umbrella okay from north africa into the middle east across into uh north part of south america central america mexico and into the united states you've got these rat lines that are taking place and be careful about who you believe, who you hang your hat on to. Just be careful about that. There's a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of uh, misdirection. But the bottom line is this stuff is happening. And uh, I just want to, Joe, I just want to throw that in there because that will come into play as the program unfolds. Go ahead, sir. Well, we're just a few minutes away from Brandon House. Uh, there's been a few other things that have happened in the news in the last few days that are uh, worth talking about in the time we have. One, we have a few attacks in Europe, one in London, one in Paris. There are a lot of, of details that remain to be uh, found out yet. We we don't know what really happened in London yesterday when uh, a Darren Osborne, a 52-year-old man, as they're reporting, slammed into some Muslims leaving a mosque after the, their Ramadan prayers. Something about the story doesn't sit right with me. Um, the one fatality is of an older man, and apparently he was already suffering a heart attack when this happened. Um, the guy who committed the crime looks crazy. I don't know if he was drunk or what. And I don't know if it actually happened the way it did. Uh, allegedly, the story's changed so much. First it was three men in a van. Now it's one man in a van. And uh, if, if I can say this, what you just said there, not, none of these versions sit right with me right okay i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna just because this is a warning to everyone who gets into a van plows through a crowd of muslims doesn't kill anybody there was already a guy on the ground from a heart attack who died we don't know if he died from the heart attack or his injuries and then gets out of the car saying he wants to kill all muslims um doesn't make sense and and folks please take this to heart understand exactly what i'm saying to you there are please this message if you do nothing else, if you get nothing else from, from this program tonight, just understand this. There are people out there working to discredit the alternative media. That's us. That's people like InfoWars. That's other, everybody within, with a microphone that's serious and has, a, it has any level of, um, viewership and listenership. There are people out there who are trying to discredit to destroy us by discrediting us by catching us in you know wrapping us up in these stories 
So question everything you see and question every. Do not take anything for granted as being true when you hear something like Joe just said. You can't take it for face value. You cannot do that. We can't do that. We cannot take much, anything really at face value. We've got to verify. And then once we think we have it verified, you better verify some more because if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. As an, as an investigator, we always followed our guts. Of course, intellect, the evidence. Yes, the money. Follow the money. Follow the evidence. We get all that. But that, that little voice, that little instinctive voice there that says, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's something not right here. Listen to that. And I would urge everyone listening to this program to do the same thing because there are a lot of landmines that are being purposely laid for the purpose of taking down, taking out, discrediting, and making irrelevant the truth seekers who become the truth tellers. And it's so easy to trip people up. It is so easy, especially in the age of this digital age and the, you know, there's nothing really as, as it seems. So you did, a, I'm telling you, you're absolutely right. Question everything, Joe. That's a good thing. Something doesn't sit right with you. You follow it until the, until the last dog is hung. I don't like that, that expression. <laughs> you follow it until the very end. And um, that's the way we have to be. We have to be extremely cautious and careful because there are entities, people, groups, people with big bucks, people with political agendas, people with political power that want to see us fail. Okay. Folks, we have our guest with us. His website is worldviewweekend.com. His name is Brandon House. He's been on the show uh, a number of times before. Brandon, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's a pleasure having you on there. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you, Brandon House. Uh, last time we talked to you, you were uh, you were the recipient of some pretty wild stuff at a, at a conference uh, or at a uh, I shouldn't say a conference. Yeah, at, it was. It's okay, a at an event. Yes, at a conference. Okay, where you had a Muslim uh, just uh, I, man, I, I, I hey. You describe it. I'm not, I'm not even sure I know how to describe it. Yeah, he showed up at our Biblical Worldview Weekend with uh, five weapons, and uh, according to his Facebook page and the video he posted on Facebook Live, 1,200 rounds of ammo and told us to be afraid, be terrified. And uh, it took us uh, 12 days to get him charged. And uh, um, I talked to John Gondolo the other night, yesterday, in fact, who's a retired FBI agent who's a, a uh, expert on counterterrorism, and he said that he was just in... South Dakota over the weekend speaking in two or three different places and everybody knew the story and they're starting to realize uh, we've got a problem and we better be aware of what's going on and what's happening so uh, what was meant for evil has turned out to be used for a lot of good I think that wake a lot of people up about what's happening uh, but we've got a real problem and I'm here tonight to talk to you about the fact that now we uh, not only do we have a Muslim attempt to enter our conference who was armed and told us to be afraid and be terrified we have now guys who are Muslims who aren't armed. Uh, they're jihadi imams posing as moderates, uh, and they're entering, by invitation, church services. Uh, they're entering into churches, and they're sitting with self-described ministers, Christian ministers, in my town, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, and entering into an interfaith dialogue with an imam who is portrayed to look like a moderate who is a jihadi, who we have on video preaching jihad. 
who we have on video uh, or on audio talking about it's acceptable to uh, in jihad to take the life and property of the the Christians uh, that they're they're manure uh, they're worse than manure and yet and by the way this this imam who's in my town here in Memphis who I've been writing about speaking for five to six years or more he uh, he is connected to many other jihadis as we can talk about and so I've been covering this guy for some time and then all of a sudden a well-known supposed Bible conservative talk show host and author comes to my town and holds an interfaith dialogue, as it's described, in a church with an imam that he wants to tell us about Islam, the real face of Islam. He says he, he senses a kindred spirit with this man. He says this man has mentored him in part on Islam. He invites this jihadi imam to make a video so that his community, Christians, can better understand what real Islam is. And guys, this is disturbing on two fronts. First, the theological front, and secondly, the national security front. So this is what's going on in my town. And I brought inter, uh, really national attention to it through our radio show and our website. And guys, I'm being blasted, not by conservative patriots. I'm being blasted by self-described conservative Bible people. Welcome to the party. This is what we should be doing today. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't mean to be glib when I say welcome to the party because our, our, our most vicious, vile, blasphemous, most objectionable, uh, cretins, um, who have, who have caused us the most problems, whether it's, uh, covertly or behind the scenes or, or directly in your face or, or self-proclaimed uh, Christians. What's up with that, uh, Brandon? You know, I think it's a couple things. It's number one, people don't know the Bible. For some of them, they don't know their Bible, and I'll give you an example. Secondly, some of them know their Bible, but they're committed, I think, many of them to pragmatism, to the good old boy club. And so they know truth, they have taught truth, they have proclaimed truth, but then when that truth becomes inconvenient, it becomes an inconvenient truth, then they jettison the authority of the Word of God for their friend uh, who belongs to the good old boy club. Let me address the first one, uh, people who don't have an understanding of the Bible. That, that's, that was me not too many years ago, so I want to be gracious. Uh, because, we're, you know, that was me a few years ago. I didn't understand the Bible, but I, 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 taught, I set out to understand the Bible and understand how to study it as a layperson in context. And it's really not that hard once you learn a few key uh, study principles. Of course, the first criteria is to be a Christian, so you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand and illuminates the Word of God to us. But then after we are believers, we need to understand what are the proper Bible study tools that help us to understand the Bible in context. Where is it literal? Where is it figurative? And there are tools that any layperson can figure out. It's pretty much common sense. But many Christians have not done this. And so they look at something that takes place, like a minister uh, out of Phoenix, Arizona, by the name of James White, coming to my town, Memphis, Tennessee, and going into a church and saying, we're going to have an interfaith dialogue, and we're going to find out where can we as Christians and as Muslims agree, and where do we disagree? Well, if you want to have a debate, that's fine. Go to a civic center, go to a hotel ballroom, have a debate. That's no, there's nothing wrong with a debate. But as soon as you move it into a, a spiritual setting or a spiritual enterprise by having it in a church, by seeking to find common ground, not a debate, but a dialogue, seeking common ground, and to sit and talk with them about God in a public forum and about the crucifixion and the cross, you've now turned it, by their own de definition, they said, an interfaith dialogue. 
Well, 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, What fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness, light with darkness, the things of God with the things of Baal or Satan? They have no fellowship. And so the Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, here's the key, in spiritual enterprises. It doesn't say don't have your neighbor who's not a believer be a friend. They can be your friend. Go to a ball game, have them to dinner, go take a vacation, whatever. This is specifically about spiritual enterprises. So you don't gather together to say, where can we find common ground on Jesus and God in an interfaith dialogue? The Bible says you don't do that. In fact, 2 John 9-11 says, if someone comes to you and brings something other than the essential Christian doctrines of Christ, you don't greet them lest you partake in their evil deeds. And the correct translation there is you don't give them a greeting of spiritual solidarity, meaning you don't give them a greeting that makes people think that you are in agreement with their antichrist. In fact, second John calls to it as people who have an antichrist spirit. So you don't give them a spiritual greeting that says, hey, I can find common ground with you spiritually. No, because second Corinthians 6.14 says there is no agreement between light and dark, righteousness and unrighteousness. So the Bible strictly forbids this in a spiritual enterprise setting where we're trying to find common ground, where we're talking about God. Now, if you want to have a debate, debate. And do it in a neutral form like a hotel ballroom or a school or whatever. Fine, witness to your neighbor, talk to your neighbor. That's not a spiritual enterprise. That's evangelism. So many Christians, because they don't understand the scripture, they then don't know how to apply it. And then people throw up uh, things like, well, it's okay what James White did because he shared the gospel. 2 Corinthians 6.14 and 2 John 9-11 through has no small print that provides a loophole that says fellowship can be had between an unbeliever and a believer in a spiritual enterprise. Light and darkness can come together in a spiritual enterprise. The things of God and things of Satan can come together in a spiritual enterprise if, small print, you give them the gospel. That's not there. That's the difference between evangelism and interfaith dialogue, which the Bible forbids. Why? Because Christians don't understand their Bible. Then we can talk about the national security implications. Sounds good, Brandon. Folks, our guest is Brandon House. Worldviewweekend.com is the website. Um, we have, he'll be with us for another half an hour, so, so stick around. We're talking about the interfaith, uh, what would you call it, the interfaith mission of so many pastors in this country. Deception. Yeah, deception. Uh, of so many pastors in this country, uh, you know, accepting and bringing in, uh, people from the Muslim faith and even having Muslims preach in Christian churches. We'll be right back with Brandon House after this. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. 
Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Wink Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. Deception, lies, so much deception. Who do you believe anymore? Well, I'll tell you what. You go to a you go to your pastor to believe, right? Because you you go to your pastor thinking that your pastor is going to lead you correctly. Well, not so much. Sometimes you go to uh, certainly not not your politicians, certainly not your elected officials. Lies and deceptions are rife within our life to lives today. Uh, I, I, that's really. The, uh, part of the lies, part of the deception, well, at the, at the, at the epicenter, it's all rooted in good versus evil. Let me just tell you that. It's all rooted in good versus evil. However, the uh, tentacles from that are various. Now, we've got a clip provided by Brandon House as our guest, worldviewweekend.com. Listen to this opening statement. This is about some interfaith the only, I'm just going to call it interfaith deception. Listen to this, and then we're going to bring Brandon back and have him talk, talk about this, because this is part and parcel to what we're all experiencing, deception, including interfaith deception. Stand by. Here, here it is. Have a listen. I have been looking forward to this evening for a very, very long time. It has been my desire to engage in a dialogue like this, and when the opportunity came that I'd be coming into this area, uh, I contacted Dr. Cotty and 
I, I put out the call, uh, and the church here was, uh, was so kind to respond and to uh, join with us in providing a place for us to have our conversation this evening. I want you to understand uh, what our motivations are this evening in, in coming together. This is not a debate. Some of you have seen uh, debates that I have done around the world. Uh, this is not intended to be a debate. Uh, we are going to, of necessity, discuss differences that we have. Um, the thing that makes this wonderful and the reason that I sought out Dr. Cotty, aside from the fact that I have learned so much from him uh, over the years, uh, that he's been a primary influence in my study of Islam. I am a student of Islam, and I have learned much from him. But the reason I specifically sought him out is because I sense in him such a kindred spirit on the other side of the chasm that divides us in regards to our theology and our beliefs. He is a consistent Muslim. He believes what he says. He wants to seek for consistency amongst his people and his own practice. And so when you have two believing people, one Christian, one Muslim, come together and say, we need to discuss not only what divides us, but also where do we have similarities? How can we live in the same community? And the most important thing is this. If we do what we, if we do what I hope happens this evening, we're going to do something absolutely unique. It hardly ever happens. And that is two communities where unfortunately there is a lot of fear on both sides. There is a lot of misunderstanding on both sides. And as a Christian, I want to see doors opened. As a Christian, I want you, as if you are a Christian here this evening, to not have fear of the Muslim people, but to have love for the Muslim people. I want the Muslim people to understand that we care and that we want to have dialogue and that we're not seeking this evening to sweep our differences under the rug and say they don't matter. Dr. Qadi cannot present an Islam that is just simply one view amongst many. All right. Eric, why don't you stop it right there? Okay, you get the picture, folks. This is a Christian minister, pastor, um, coming into Brandon House's town, basically. It doesn't matter where. Okay, but bottom line is this. Here's a Christian minister singing the praises of not just Islam, but this Dr. Cotty. Um, There's so much wrong with that, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, Brandon, Dr. Cotty, who is he? Or I'll tell you, start wherever, because that just makes me want to... I I think I threw up a little bit in my mouth watching that. Okay, well, then then you get it. If you're sick by this, you get it. I was jotting down notes while he was talking. Before I tell you who Yasser Qadi is, who lives in my town, and this was done in my town, uh, let me, and by the way, some of the law enforcement and city officials uh, in some of the surrounding communities around Memphis are very troubled this took place. They're not happy with Mr. White, some of them. In addition, some of the people that were in that building that night, in that church that night, were not happy with what went down because Islam was preached unrefuted uh, many times. Um, Qadi proclaimed that Jesus taught Islam, that, that the crucifixion was a fraud, un, it went unrefuted, unchallenged. Okay, But first of all, notice what he said. First of all, he said that this imam, this jihadi imam, I'm going to show you more about him in a minute, uh, was a primary influencer of him to him on Islam. Well, why would you want to sit and have a conversation with a guy that's a jihadi that influenced you on Islam? Because he says, obviously, this is where you learned your Islam, you're going to be deceived. Now, this guy boasts that he's written a book on Islam. But clearly he wrote a book on Islam, but now he's got to go get some more training from a jihadi 
then clearly he's not an expert on Islam, I don't think, and he should have never written a book until he became an expert. But now he's supposedly the expert sitting and getting, as his primary influence, a jihadi. Then he goes on to say that they're going to dialogue. So this is not a debate. And, and he says that this isn't a church. It's not a debate. See, that's a violation of 2 John 9-11, 2 Corinthians 6-14. Then he says that they're going to discuss this, that, that they are people that are coming with their theology. Theology means your view of God. So they're going to talk and try to find common ground on their view of God. Well, we don't serve the same God. But again, 2 John 9-11, 2 Corinthians 6-14 forbids this in the confines of it being a spiritual enterprise to talk about theology in a, in a setting where you're bringing in not only were there Muslims in the room, but Christians. You don't bring a wolf in among the sheep. The Bible forbids that. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Then he says that this, this jihadi isn't a consistent Muslim. No, he's not. He talks out of both sides of his mouth like all the imams do, and I'll show you why. Then he says that we're both believing people. Well, what does that lead people to believe? We're both believing people. That's really troubling. Later he says he believes in inspiration and I believe in inspiration. Again, these are very confusing comments. Then he says that uh, that we're doing this because of our love for the Muslim. No, my former Muslim friend, uh, Shoram Hadian, former Muslim from Iran, now Christian pastor, would say this is not how you love the Muslim. This is actually how you hate the Muslim right to hell. Because he says as a former Muslim, if I had sat there and seen this while I was a Muslim, I would have seen no reason to leave Islam. Then he says we're going to find similarities. Again, 2 Corinthians 6.14. What fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness, light with darkness, things of Satan with the things, uh, or things of Satan with the things of God? They have none. We have no similarities. We have no similarities as believers when it comes to Islam that we can unite around. Certainly not in a spiritual setting. Then he says he wants to open, hopes this will open doors. This doesn't open doors. This closes doors because as my friend, the former Muslim, now Christian pastor Sharam Hadian has said, this would keep the door closed. If I saw this as a Muslim, I would see no reason to leave the Muslim faith. And I could go on and on. But would you like to know who he's sitting there talking to? Would you like to know about this Yasser Qadi who lives in my town? Absolutely. All right, here's an article. Uh, this is not from me. This is from frontpagemag.com. Frontpagemag.com by Joe Kaufman. Anyone can go to frontpagemag.com and type in Yasser Qadi. Yasser is spelled Y-A-S-I-R. Qadi is Q-A-D-H-I. And the article is entitled, Muslim Who Apologized for Cursing Jews Featured at Terror-Linked Banquet. Let me just read a portion. Because this is, I guess, who James White, this minister, uh, who, by the way, is all over social media saying we have slandered him, we have taken his videos out of context. Baloney. Uh, he, 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 he was upset because we didn't play another 25 seconds of one video. Uh, it didn't matter. It didn't change his content. I mean, he, I think you could let this guy drone on for an hour, and he would say you didn't play enough of his video. So we played another 25 seconds of his video and the audio on on uh, radio. It didn't change what he was saying. And what has he said? ISIS is not Islamic in its totality. ISIS <laughs> is not Islamic in its totality? Uh, James, it stands for the Islamic State, for Pete's sake. But... These guys won't debate Usama Dakdok. He will not debate Usama Dakdok, uh, Egyptian, uh, Arabic-speaking man who translated the Quran into perfect English so we can see what it says without being whitewashed. He will not debate him. He's turned down the debate anywhere, anytime, any place. I wonder why. That's because uh, Usama speaks Arabic and knows the Quran and Islam backwards and forwards. He also has not taken the invitation to debate Sharam Hadian. They've not been able to show us one place where we have slandered them. And they also have not proven anything we've said in five TV shows and, and five radio shows 
where we have been wrong, uh, four TV shows, and five radio shows where we've been wrong. Instead, they begin to attack the messenger because they can't refute the message and they're making up a lot of lies as well as his good old boy club. But here is who Yasser Khadi is, according to Joe Kaufman. On the night of Saturday, February 6th, Khadi will be featured speaker at an annual banquet sponsored by uh, the Islamic Circle of North America, Relief, at the Fort Lauderdale Marriott Coral Springs Hotel Golf Club and Convention Center. The event is titled Making America Great Again. This is Cotty's second such appearance in Florida in the last three months. In November, now this is just written last year, in November he was a featured speaker at a Tampa banquet sponsored by the Council of American Islamic Relations, CARE, a group that has numerous associations with Hamas, including financial dealings, and a group that was named a terrorist organization by the government of United Arab Emirates. Uh, the uh, Islamic Circle of North America is a function of the Islamic Circle of North America, the American affiliate, uh, or ICNA is affiliate of the Islamic Circle of North America, and the American affiliate of the South Asian Islamic group, Jamaat-e-Salami. Uh, this uh, militant wing, Hezbollah Mahajin, owned, listen now, owned the Pakistani compound where Osama bin Laden was killed. ICNA has been linked to terrorist financing and has used the web to promote different terrorist groups, including Hamas, Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, and the Taliban. The Islamic Center, uh, Circle of North America conducts annual functions along with Muslim American Society, which, like CARE, is a United Arab Emirates-designated terrorist organization. Well, in August 2006, the Islamic Circle of North America um, was the top donor and partner to Pakistani charity Al Kamat Foundation. At the same time, the uh, AKF, uh, which is this uh, group I just mentioned, the Al Kamat Foundation, took a delegation to Damascus, Syria, to hand deliver nearly one hundred thousand dollars to Hamas global leader Khalid Mashal at his residence. Mashal thanked the group and said Hamas would continue to wage quote jihad war on the Zionist yoke. Uh, that would be obviously Israel. The uh, Islamic Circle of North America relief continues to work directly with the AKF overseas. Now, that is a little bit about Mr. Yasser Qadi that James White wants to say is seeking a consistency and someone we should learn Islam from and has been a big primary influence on, or influencer on him on Islam, and has mentored him in parts of Islam. And then, in uh, May of this year, Yasser Qadi, who lives in my town, uh, works with an Islamic school, and on their Facebook page, he invited, and we have the clip of it, I don't know if they got it or queued it up, but he invited folks uh, to come hear Siraj Wahaj. Well, Siraj Wahaj is an imam who is... Um, well, he's quite radical, and you can look him up, and he's an unindicted co-conspirator in the bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993. He also defended in his trial the blind sheep. And you can find this according to numerous work, uh, 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 reports like uh, New York Post and many others. But let me tell you what uh, Siraj Wahaj said in September 1991, a speech in Toronto titled The Afga Afghanistan Jihad. This comes from Discover the Networks. This is uh, David Horowitz group. Uh, and he's quoting from, from uh, a paper. Now this is again the imam that Yasser Qadi brought to Memphis and this is the imam that is sitting with uh, James White, Yasser Qadi. So Yasser Qadi's friend is this imam, Siraj Wahaj, unindicted co-conspirator in the bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993 according to numerous reports and this is what his friend said. 
Quote, those who struggle for Allah, it doesn't matter what kind of weapon you use. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. You don't need a nuclear weapon or even guns. If you have faith in Allah and a knight, if Allah wants you to win, you'll win. Because Allah is the only one who fights. And when his hand is over your hand, whoever is at war against my friends, I declare war on them. The Americans are not your friends. The Canadians are not your friends. The Europeans are not your friends. Your friend is Allah and the messenger. The, the messenger. And those who believe, those these people will never be satisfied with you until you follow their religion. So I would encourage people just to go to discoverthenetworks.org uh, and type in Siraj Wahaj, and you can find all about this guy born in Brooklyn that is, again, according to numerous reports, uh, a, a, a jihadi. Now, again, this is a friend with Yasser Qadi. Yasser Qadi is sitting with Minister James White in our town with an interfaith dialogue, and someone, I guess, he wants to make a video, Yasser Qadi, so Christians can learn more about Islam. Now, the problem partly to this with this, guys, is this is a national security issue. I said two problems, spiritual and national security, because he's painting this guy as some kind of moderate. Clearly, he's not, and I've just touched on a little bit about Mr. Yasser Qadi. But a guy that has infiltrated care is a friend of mine named Chris Gobbitz. Chris Gobbitz infiltrated CARE and then ended up working in their Washington, D.C. office. He posed as an American convert to Islam and even grew the Sharia beard. He Dave, came out Dave Gobbitz's book. son, Muslim Mafia, the book. Go ahead, sir. You got, it. you got it. So he comes out with about 1,200 pages, and, that, and you're right, that book is born. Here's what my friend uh, Chris said last week in an interview. He said, uh, well, he's, he's being interviewed by a young man named Alex, over at uh, uh, Accuracy and Media. And it says, according to Gobbis, CARE uses interfaith dialogue to propagate their narrative. And, quote, CARE and other Muslim, hood, Muslim Brotherhood groups, end quote, purposely, quote, get closer to the law enforcement, end quote, after terror attacks by, by offering, quote, sensitivity training, end quote, and volunteering to serve as a liaison between Muslim and police. He says, their whole purpose with this narrative war is to shut, shut the discussion down. Because if you can shut the discussion down and distance Islam from any part of the problem, then the people that are charged with protecting citizens are always looking elsewhere for the problem. And the problem is and always has been rooted right in Islam, right in the Sharia. They're intertwined, end quote. So guys, interfaith dialogue is a key strategy of CARE, the Center for American Islamic Relations. Who is helping CARE do this? I believe guys like Minister James White. And so what's the result? Oh, I am so sorry. I didn't know who this guy was. I've been deceived. No. Now Mr. White, maybe you have the video of it, says now I am being used by powerful forces. Powerful forces are behind me that don't, that want to build the walls to keep us from reaching the Muslim for Christ. This is not how you reach the Muslim for Christ, okay? You want to go out and evangelize, give them the gospel, but you don't bring them in and repaint a jihadi as a moderate who is a jihadi. That's a spiritual problem, 2 John 9-11, 2 Corinthians 6-14. We can't have common ground. And it's a, it's a national security problem. And so what is James White doing? Attacking us, attacking us, attacking us. Ad Hanaman's attack after another. Won't debate. Won't point out where we were wrong. Uh, got upset we didn't play a few more seconds of a video. Now runs around saying we, we've taken things out of context and blown this out of proportion. Folks, the videos are out there. Uh, you can watch the first program with my friend, former Muslim Sharam Hadian, and Arabic-speaking Quran expert Usama Dakdak at wvwtv.com. wvwtv.com. You can also watch these clips on our YouTube channel. Just type in Worldview Tube on YouTube, one word, Worldview Tube, 
uh, on YouTube, and you'll find our World YouTube channel where the, many of these clips have been put. You can also go on, on, on the Internet and find the full 90-minute interfaith dialogue that took place in this church and see that they are indeed in context. Then I would finally say this. The critics are saying, including uh, the executive director of a Bible ministry, a well-respected Bible ministry, has said on social media, well, Mr. White presented the gospel, therefore this was edifying. Well, first of all, again, 2 John 9-11, 2 Corinthians 6-14 does not provide a loophole to enter into an interfaith dialogue with someone who is an antichrist spirit if you give them the gospel. There is no such uh, 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 little loophole. Secondly, the gospel was never given in the church. I've watched this thing, well, so many times I'm going to throw up if I have to watch it again. It was never given. Well, they say it was given in the mosque. The next day they had a dialogue in the mosque. Okay, even if you give the gospel, this still does not make it right. But what these people are doing, I think, is being deceptive. Some of them, like this guy that works with his Bible ministry, is saying, well, the gospel was given, therefore this makes this somewhat, you know, something to look for that's edifying. Uh, I think he knows the gospel wasn't shared in the church meeting, and I think he knows he's being deceptive. Secondly, this same same man who's the executive director of this ministry that is being highly critical of me because he's defending his friend because it's the good old boy club, said this a few years ago when a well-known pastor in Minneapolis, John Piper, had Rick Warren, quote, America's pastor, in quote, at a conference. This executive director is now being highly critical of us and our ministry and Usama and Sharam and others that are standing up against what White has done, said this, quote, The fact is, Scripture commands faithful Christians to confront, rebuke, and correct those who twist or reinvent the gospel, not to ask them to speak at our most important conferences, end quote. Well, I would say if this executive director of this Bible ministry can write that about John Piper meeting uh, at a Christian conference with Rick Warren, could he not say that about a Christian pastor or minister having a jihadi Muslim in a church to have interfaith dialogue? Well, bring and up. when asked on a radio show today, he was asked by someone by email, and the host asked him, would you do this at your church? Uh, he said, no, we would not allow this to take place at our church, but it could be confusing. Well, hello? So what's his criticism? Oh, we're mean. We're mean-spirited. We're slandering. People ask, where's the evidence of that? He hasn't been able to give one. Yet this man has probably been one of the most voracious, uh, rude, I believe, uh, condescending, arrogant contenders of the faith I've ever met in my life. Uh, I mean, it, this is the kettle calling the pot black. So the big problem here, as I wrote the, on my website last week, there's a seismic shift within even conservative evangelicalism that is defending this. If he sat with a Satanist, would we defend that? So we expect this from the main line, the liberals. We expect this from the social justice warriors. We expect this from the neo-evangelicals. We don't expect this from what are so-called conservative Bible people, but that that's what we're getting, which shows us we've got a real problem. Truth now is pragmatic. We'll apply the standards to Rick Warren and John Piper because we don't like what they're doing, but if something like that or worse is done by a friend of ours, we won't apply the same biblical standard because they're our friend. Is that what's going on? Because if that's the case, they're not really committed to truth. I think they're committed to pragmatism and the good old boy club. And this is how you end up having what is going to be the first barrier to false teaching uh, coming in. Good, solid, conservative, evangelical, Bible-believing Christians. The second thing is, as Christians, we're called in the Bible to be good citizens. You are not being a good citizen when you undermine your national security and you frustrate and go against the police 
and the detectives and the national security experts and the FBI and the CIA and the NSA and other guys that are concerned about this. And I'm hearing from law enforcement. I'm hearing from also retired FBI guys who used to track this guy when they were working, retired detectives who used to follow these people when they're working, and and I heard from a guy who's an Islamic expert who was offered a job in the White House with Trump. He turned it down for, for whatever reason. He, I think he didn't want to move to D.C. with his family. But he emailed me and said, you're dead on. So if we're going to be good Christians, we got to follow what the Scripture says. 2 John 9-11, 2 Corinthians 6-14. If we're going to be good Christians, we have to support our government when they do what is the purpose of government. Romans 13, reward the righteous and punish the wicked. We're not being good Christians or good citizens when we repaint a jihadi as a moderate. And again, you can't say, but he gave the gospel. Again, you're making excuses to justify something the Bible strictly forbids. You want to give him the gospel? Take him to lunch and give him the gospel. But don't bring a wolf into the church among the sheep to, to spew his garbage unrefuted, teach the five pillars of Islam, say Jesus taught Islam. That's not refuted. That's not, a, that's not challenged. Uh, distort the cross and the resurrection and then invite people to a mosque. This is not acceptable and the fact that so-called Bible-believing conservative evangelicals who are also some of them running Bible ministries think so shows us, well, maybe even the elect will be deceived if it were possible. Absolutely. And uh, that was a fantastic summary, Brandon. I have a, a few questions. Um, you knowing this pastor personally, what do you believe his motivation is? Do you believe it is... Uh, uh, a willingness to try to do the right thing in his own mind by bringing these people together? Or do you think there, there is another reason uh, behind this? Well, I don't know him personally. We've invited him on our radio program to debate Usama or Sharam. Uh, Usama has said he would debate him anytime, anywhere. Um, but I don't know him personally, and so I, I don't know what his motives are, but I can, I can guess. Um, I'm guessing, and I'm not gonna, I don't want to question his sincerity, um, and, and you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. And so maybe he sincerely wants to reach the Muslim for Christ. Wonderful. This is not how you do it. Former Muslim, Sharam Hadian, as I said, told us on radio and TV, as a former Muslim, if he had seen this and been in that church that night as a Muslim, he would have seen really no reason to, to convert. I mean, after all, we're both believing people. We both believe in inspiration. I mean, right. good grief. So that's a real problem. But if that's his motivation to reach the Muslim for Christ, this is not how you do it. This is not at all. This is not only, I think, confusing Muslims. It's confusing Christians. Because this guy now is allowed to regurgitate all kinds of lies about the Bible, about Jesus. And he, he gave a lot of lies about the Quran and Islam that on our TV shows or radio shows we refuted with these Islamic experts. He was sitting there saying, oh, Surah 9 has never been used to justify jihad. He said many, many other things. ISIS is a new thing. We've never seen this before in Islam. I mean, so many things were said they are not true, and they're going unrefuted. White should put out a white paper. Isn't that funny? James White should put out a white paper uh, and refute the errors. But now it's too late because this is on, on YouTube for people to watch, which confuses the Muslim and confuses the non-Muslim. And so James White, I think, helped this man do a real whitewash of Islam. Well, I'm coming up with the puns tonight. Somebody write this down. James White came up with a real whitewash of Islam, and now it's all over the YouTube for everyone to watch. Now again, listen at the the uh, twisting and pragmatic uh, ideas and gymnastics they do. Well, Brandon is so intolerant. He's a hater. Uh, he doesn't know how to contend lovingly. The gospel was given. 
no, the gospel was not given in that church that night, number one. And number two, even if it was, that doesn't justify what happened, as I said over and over, per 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 2 John 9 through 11. And why do I keep repeating that? Because this isn't what I believe. I, I believe it, but it's not true because I believe it. It's true because the Bible says so. That's right. Otherwise, it's perverted. Uh, Brennan. Yeah. Brennan House, you did a great job. I can't believe Fantastic. we're at the end of the segment here. I'm going to thank you for pointing this out because this is a problem that we're facing all across America, really all across the world, but people better understand how serious this is, and you did one heck of a job, Brennan House. It's all over the Internet when it goes up, and I'm thankful that even many Christian radio shows won't cover this, but you will, and isn't that sad? We're getting more coverage from secular programs and blogs and websites Robert Spencer, by the way, over at Jihad Watch, has written a great piece on this. Robert Spencer at Jihad Watch has done a great job on this. Uh, and by the way, there are two Muslim websites out there criticizing me and Usama Dakdok for doing this and praising James White. Now, when the Muslim websites start praising James White for what he's doing and criticizing guys like me, what does that tell you? And now you have the Muslim websites and so-called Bible-leading conservative evangelicals coming against us with the Muslims. Uh, we're out of time. Brandon House, worldviewweekend.com. Folks, to, uh, go to that website and, and, and follow this story. Brandon, we're going to have you back. God bless you, my friend. Get this URL and spread it all over the Internet, guys. Amen. Right on. We'll be right we'll back. Do. You know, a name in the um, in the new media, a name in the uh, investigative, as an investigative journalist, Alicia Powell, P-O-W-E, Alicia Powell, with WorldNetDaily, WND.com. If you haven't heard about her, you will. If you have heard about her, you know the good work that she does. She is an investigative journalist, and I would say, just a tremendous one. I mean, I, her investigative work product is, is, uh, again, speaks volumes for her, number one, her courage, number two, her, uh, thorough, thoroughness, and I mean thoroughness, and her ability to look at things and to get to the bottom of things. Before we get to Alicia, uh, Alicia, I just want to mention that I want to, I want to congratulate Bob, Bob and Maggie if you're listening, uh, longtime listeners, by the way. Uh, they're going to be great grandparents. You don't look a day over 30, Bob, Maggie. Yeah, I'm telling you. But um, uh, congratulations on that. Going to be great grandparents. Got the news. And uh, that was quite a, quite a gift. Uh, says, congratulations on it. You know, great grandparents. Uh, wow, wow. You're getting old, Bob. Bob, you're getting old, buddy. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Congratulations. Uh, also, folks, T.C. Joseph. This generation series of novels, man. If you if you haven't gotten those books, you, you got to get them and read them, and, and even give them to your friends, relatives, neighbors, pastors, whatever. Uh, three great books. They're 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 fictionalized accounts. Take the take it through the lives of three families. Um, the first book is Precipice. Second book is Pentecost. Third book is Penance. T.C. Joseph. This generation series. He's a phenomenal writer. His writing ability is just incredible. Um, but, but he, he's able to, 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 to write a story, 
that really mimics the events of today. So if you've got somebody out there who uh, doesn't like to read about what's really taking place, but will read a fiction book, this series will do so. And, and in so doing, we'll convince that person the lateness of the hour. T.C. Joseph, thisgenerationseries.com, and also available on Amazon. Great guy, great, great piece of work. Alicia Powell is our guest, WND.com, investigative journalist extraordinaire. Joe, I'm going to have you. For World Night Daily. Yeah. Uh, Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me back. Oh, thanks, thanks for, for coming, coming back. back. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's great. It's great to see it, folks. If you, uh, those listening on Global Star or BTR, if you, if you go to YouTube, you can see, uh, the, really the, the, the talented and beautiful Alicia Powell. So where do you want to start tonight? Yeah. Oh, where do I want to start? Yeah, where mm-hmm. do you want to start? Oh, well, it's been a tremendous last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I left off uh, about a month ago uh, writing about trying to uncover information about how pharmaceutical industries are, um, you know, running rampant in the United States and people are over-medicated. And that all got put on pause when the Seth Rich um, story came back into the forefront of the news, um, at least for conservative websites. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's pretty much been omitted and ignored by the mainstream media. Uh, my CNN and MSNBC and the left, this Huffington Post, uh, Huffington Post and such. So ever since then, I've been writing about Seth Rich most of the day, um, doing a lot of investigating reports on that. And you, um, you know, Alicia, I was kind of surprised, taken aback by to me. Okay, this Seth Rich uh, case is really part of a larger, huge uh, case, obviously. It figures into the DNC. This is not not pipe in here any time, but and correct me if I'm wrong. Figures into the DNC uh, case. Uh, of course, there was a case that was filed back uh, by uh, Beck, the the Beck, uh, Jared Beck, and uh, Elizabeth Beck uh, back in June of last year, and on behalf of Bernie Sanders. Uh, whereas they were saying, look, money given to the DNC was was really misapplied, misappropriated to Hillary Clinton by Debbie Wasserman Schultz. So Seth Rich was involved in this morass of stuff. But I was really surprised to uh, to hear last, I guess it was last week or the week before, um, Jared Beck, um, the attorney again on this case, going to the judge and, and, and asking the judge for protection for witnesses and potential witnesses in light of Seth Rich and Sean Lucas and others. Now he was denied yeah. that protection. But I thought, wow, how come we didn't hear about this? I mean, aside from what you've done and said. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. So we found out through leaked DNC emails last July and the months following, leading up to the presidential to the to the day we all voted for our, you know who's going to be our next president. We found out that the DNC was rigging the election against Bernie Sanders. And it really didn't take leaked emails for us to figure that out because we saw uh, some of the primaries won with coin tosses. We saw superdelegates just basically take all the uh, votes Bernie Sanders got away. Um, and she would just win the election with superdelegates. But all of that rigging was substantiated, we found out, through these leaked emails. Um, and... So Bernie Sanders supporters were outraged, and some of them still are, 
about how their election was rigged. Perhaps Bernie Sanders would be all be saying President Bernie Sanders today if the Democrats had not stolen the nomination from him. So these two lawyers who were Bernie Sanders supporters, their married couple, Jared and Elizabeth Beck, uh, filed a lawsuit against the DNC. And one of the hearings, <laughs> during one of the hearings of this lawsuit that has been completely ignored by, you know, CNN, MSNBC, and the leftist media that run this, run the news cycle every day, um, they, during the hearing, <laughs> the D- lawyers for the DNC admitted that they rigged the election, and they said, well, our charters don't prohibit us from picking our candidates or selecting our candidates. So that happened back in about two months ago, and we reported on it. I wrote I wrote about it. And um, then about two weeks ago, the, the law firm representing Sanders supporters, uh, the Becks, they received a phone call um, from someone basically trying to find out information about the lawsuit um, using a voice changing device and they tracked out they tracked where this number came from who called them and it came from Debbie Watson Schultz's office so um, since then Jared and Elizabeth Beck have um, filed a different motion in their lawsuit um, where they outline how Seth Rich was unusually murdered, and they 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 took out an order of protection because they I guess they've received received death threats along with that weird bizarre message that they received uh, with a voice changing device from Debbie Watson in Schultz's office. It's um, crazy. <laughs> so it's kind of baffling. Imagine if CNN or MSNBC would have actually report this bizarre brazen rigging of democracy of elections that the Democrat parties participated in. And that's just not getting into all the suspicious evidence and circumstances surrounding Seth Rich. That's that's right. Who is a conspiracy theorist. We're all conspiracy theorists for mentioning Seth Rich, but disrespecting the family for bringing him up. How dare we? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I've got got to say, your work on that subject, on on Seth Rich's second to none, You've done some phenomenal work, and and I would look at this as not conspiracy theorists, but conspiracy analysts, and and definitely by definition there was a conspiracy. I, I truly believe if there was more than one person involved in the uh, uh, reported homicide of Seth Rich, indeed that that it fits the definition of conspiracy. But but yeah, it, 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 exactly. So you've done some phenomenal work. By the way, um, interesting. So, so the, the voice changer to the uh, Jared Beck. Um, the law firm used in this phone call. Um, Alicia, we have used. Well, l- let me let me restate this. There have we know that the, the, there's technology out there that could be used to spoof numbers. In other words, I I could call you, make it look like I'm calling you from the White House. Right. Okay. Now we know that the the voice changer uh, software was used. But is it possible that that Wasserman Schultz's phone number could have been spoofed onto that caller ID? It's possible, but I mean, okay, we should explore, we should investigate, but it's also possible that they did that, um, <laughs> that they did use. I mean, after all of the things that have surfaced about the Democratic 
National Committee, the Democratic Party in the last years. I mean, why rule out the possibilities that that happened? And either way, it's not up for, up for us to decide. It's going to be put before a judge. There you go. And so we can just report on what happened. Speculation is meaningless. Thank um, you. Thank you. Where are you at, Alicia, with respect to your investigation, your findings? If you want to give us kind of a quick summary of, of what you've uncovered, your your columns, your reports for WND, because your writing's fabulous. Where are we at thanks. with this? Um, well, as far as the DNC goes in this lawsuit, on Wednesday I should be speaking with Mrs. Elizabeth Beck about <laughs> the DNC using the voice changer, about why they feel threatened by the Democratic National Committee to have to go and put an order of protection and can find it, call out any information from her as we can that will not only advance whatever's going on with Seth Rich, but also... I mean, come on, nobody's talking about this, how the DNC is getting sued for rigging the primary. That is just ridiculous. Let's just take for a second. We know what it would be like if Republicans had rigged the election and da da da. It would be outrage everywhere. We're, we're talking about Trump being impeached but colluding with Russia. And, you know, Republicans aren't. Um, defending President Trump, saying how dare can Democrats call for his impeachment, but they also won't even weigh in on Seth Rich, who is the alleged leaker of the DNC emails, who is, right, Russia in this case, right? Trump colluded with Russia leaked DNC emails. Well, what if it was this plain DNC staffer, Seth Rich, with who Julian Assange, founder of WikiLeaks, claims is? the person who leaked the email. I mean, you can say he insinuated that Seth Rich leaked these emails, but he says it in pretty plain English. The guy we got the information was not Rob. We got the information from was not Rob. He was shot in the back, and it had nothing to do with the robbery. Well, who else is he talking about? <laughs> I mean, um... Right. Well, you, so. you know what, Elisa, one, one thing before Joe... I know Joe's got a couple of things he wanted to mention. What I found really interesting... Now... In, in your investigation, a- after Seth Rich was shot, where was he taken? He was he was taken to MedStar, correct? The level one trauma. That's not substantiated, right? Okay. Now, if it were MedStar, well, <laughs> you know, my editor and I we decided I'm going to go into the hospitals and try to find out more information from the hospitals. That's the that's the the uh, angle we need to investigate that day, and just by asking for more information about Seth Rich, I was escorted by security guards to my car who followed me and stared at me like I was a bandit to make sure I got into my car. And then I spoke with the public relations person from MedStar Washington Hospital, and she she advised me never to enter the hospital again unless she is walking around the hospital with me. And I guess that's HIPAA law. But apparently, you should be able to release an autopsy report regardless of HIPAA law. You should be able to... Um, I could walk release. in and get an autopsy report, Elisa. I mean, well, I, we need the ballistics report <laughs> because apparently, according to a private investigator, Seth Rich, uh, a, a, a van, an FBI van, was burglarized about two hours before Seth Rich was killed, and those guns went missing, and that story was not really reported on, wasn't reported on at all. And were those bullets... From that, those guns in Seth Rich's body when he was found shot, we don't know. 
and because they won't release the ballistics report, I mean, that might sound outlandish, but it was just a couple of blocks from you killed the same night. Um, and yeah. the only thing that's yeah. going to prove is those, you know, is the ballistics report. And that's something that the Metropolitan Police Department will not reveal. And it bothers me a lot that this is not being revealed. Um, because again, in my capacity as an investigator, and it's my understanding in your capacity as an investigative journalist, you should be able to walk into the hospital, request um, the, uh, or uh, actually not even the hospital. You could you could walk into the coroner's office. It, it depends on where you are in the country. Who would ever handle the uh, the, the death the uh, the um, a certificate of death and the autopsy, depending on who does the autopsy and who handles that, the maintenance of records. But nonetheless, you should be able to get that. But having said that, here's what, here's why I brought this up. What bothered me is after the, um, uh, Representative Scalise was shot and taken to MedStar, let's just assume for a moment, just assume for a moment, speculate that, uh, Seth Rich was taken to MedStar. Put that in the back of your mind. Now, Scalise, uh, was shot last week. He was taken to MedStar. Donald Trump with his wife, Sean Spicer, visited Scalise at MedStar. But okay. with, but, but I, not, and, but with them was his, uh, Donald Trump's personal physician, who also, uh, Ronnie, uh, Jackson, uh, Donald Trump's personal physician, who, who went with them Donald Trump and Mrs. Trump and Sean Spicer for reasons that we don't know, but it, we could, it looks a lot like there was some concern when, when his condition went from, uh, serious to critical. Then, well, I'd be concerned because, um, here's the reason why we need to find out which hospital Seth Rich was in. And here's the reason why, um, maybe there'd be some concerns about whether Felice was going to receive proper care there. There are high-ranking people at that hospital who have ties to the Podestas and to Hillary Clinton's campaign. I mean, you can just go through Reddit and 4chan and find out and other various reports. Now, WND is not going to report that because we don't know if he was in that hospital. Even though all these signs point to the fact that he was taken there and the approximation it was from the time EMS picked him up to the hospital was about seven minutes, which leads us to believe he was at... Uh, MedStar Hospital, the vicinity, it takes about that much time. Howard University Hospital is a bit closer. So, yeah, there's ties to people. There's someone named Dr. Jack Sava who we've tried to contact repeatedly um, who has ties to Podesta, John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman. And there are other people who have ties to the campaign um, at that hospital. I mean, Clinton's people at that hospital. So that's probably, you know, uh, I think Reagan said when he was shot to the doctors are operating on him. I hope you're a Republican. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, today I hope you I hope you're a Republican today, or, or I hope yeah. you're a Republican. And then the doctor said uh, something like "I am today" or something to that effect. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, to that sentiment, I suppose that's why Trump and his uh, made sure everything was okay in that hospital. So tomorrow morning, um, the head of a, a, a an investigative team who is um, been investigating the Seth, the Seth Rich um, murder is holding a press conference, and they're going to reveal their findings on 
They're the same um, team of investigators that told us about the FBI man that was burglarized and how the the Washington, D.C. mayor has been obstructing the investigation by telling the Metropolitan Police Department to stand down. So um, we'll find uh, out tomorrow some new evidence, hopefully. Um, Any any word or idea that if there is um, anything that was found that's going to be presented as far as new evidence or... Um, I mean, just do Don't we know, know if there's anything like that? Okay. We'll find out tomorrow around 11 a.m. Um, so uh, there, there's at least maybe two two new things that will unfold. We'll see what the DNC lawyers tell us tell us on Wednesday, and we'll see what that uh, that press conference holds in the morning. Okay. This is amazing stuff. You do you do amazing work, and and you know I. I for people not to really get that there's something wrong with this, you know, we, uh, Alicia, uh, here's my take. Okay, again, from my perspective as an investigator, look, I don't get everything right all the time. All right, certainly I don't. I get a lot of stuff wrong, but I do know BS when I see it. I know a bogus story, and I know when somebody's lying when I see it. I know when we're not getting the whole story. And man, you know, we're not getting the whole story on this, and I know that you know you're really covering this really well. Um, I mean, you've got you've got CNN, MSNBC, and leftists. They're like, hey, look over here, yeah. and don't don't pay attention to that conspiracy stuff. Trump should be impeached. Comey and you know Trump colluded. Oh, that's conspiracy theories, that sort of stuff. Don't pay, buy into that. Oh, look over here. Look at this London attack. Oh, don't pay attention to the fact that Bernie Sanders supporter just went and shot up, uh, went to go and murder Republicans and went on a rant for days talking about how he hates Republicans after he bought into the propaganda that CNN and MSNBC and the liberal media sold them and continued to sell them for decades and days and beating them in the head with the idea that Republicans are racist and going to throw grandma off the cliff. And <laughs> so, I mean... That's why more Americans aren't concerned. Unfortunately, when you're inundated with the same propaganda all day long, and you're it's not if you're a doctor or you're a baseball player, you're a you know you've got your own career path. Your path is not to sit here and investigate the news all day. Chances are you're going to buy into some of that propaganda. Um, yeah, very well said. Um, you know, a lot of majority of people are are busy you know with their families with their with their careers and with you know everyday life they don't have time to to dig into the news and to to really find the truth of the matter even though they should many of them don't see it as a priority but i did see something interesting today we were on uh, pastor paul begley's show earlier today and right before the show um, i found that there was a cnn poll that asked if uh, they asked their viewers if they believe trump should be under investigation for obstruction of justice and over 3 million people had voted by then and over 70% said no where was this poll taken? on CNN on CNN on, well, on their CNN website CNN saying it after CNN reported that Hillary had like a 90 all these polls Hillary had a 97% mm-hmm. chance of winning the election well then it must be somewhat true <laughs> no I know but because I mean, the, the people are they're like at their last, their their last resort now to to put that poll out there. It's got to be have some truth to it. Well, Alicia, since the last time we had you on, and, and uh, with, with pertaining to the Seth Rich story, 
Uh, I know Liz wrote a piece that she posted about uh, evidence disappearing in the in the Seth Rich investigation. Have we have we gotten any uh, any more information, any updates? Uh, whether it's a, a release of information, have we found out where the the computer is. I mean, has anything changed? I or- mean, it's funny because um, when I first started writing about this story, um, we spoke with Detective Rod Wheeler. Detective Rod Wheeler was hired by the family through a third party um, to investigate the case. He and the third party that hired him says that before the family agreed for him to take on the case, they said, well, don't, the, the, the brother said, don't talk about the email stuff. Don't investigate the email stuff, right? Then Detective Wheeler also revealed to us that after he went to the Metropolitan Police Department to find out more information about Rich's case, they all looked at him with blank stares, only to find out later the reason why they wouldn't give him any information is because former DNC chair Donna Brazil contacted them and told them to stand down and don't give him any information. And they told the family, basically, you know, why are you hiring a private investigator? Um, so this has already been reported almost a month ago. Yeah. And as far as that laptop goes, uh, Wheeler told me he didn't know where the laptop laptop was. And then I spoke to the family's uh, spokesman, Brad Bauman, who emphatic, emphatically says anyone who does has investigates anything to do with Seth Rich and emails should burn in hell. Mm-hmm. Right? Do we know? Is he, he said, well, the family has the laptop. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so, I mean, and the Washington, D.C. police have the laptop and the family. So, I mean, I thought, I mean, I'm just, the family has the laptop, according to the family spokesman. That's not news to me. Yeah, and, and I, I can that's see. That's more peculiar. I can see that. If the family has the laptop, then that's up with the family. Like, do you <laughs> want the truth to come out? Do you want to help your, get, find your, 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 your son's killer? Your brother's killer, your murderers, is it the DNC? Then it goes, all right, well, there's reasons behind it. Um, are they paid off? Are they facing threats? Both? Who knows? But, I mean, it's, we've exhausted it with Seth Rich, <laughs> but we're still going to find out more information. And I think Americans, more so I, I feel the sentiment of Americans is just like, oh, that's conspiracy and you should pay it no mind. Well, someone's got to... We're letting Democrats try to impeach Trump with all of his nonsense hearings about Russia and Comey. I mean, Russia and uh, Trump colluding. But well, see, conspiracy is it really theories, so wrong to talk about Seth Rich then? Conspiracy theories are only okay if they're being used the way that the the left and the establishment want, apparently. Um, you mentioned Brad Bauman. Has there been any uh, revelations or do we know? I, I heard some speculation there, and I haven't seen it. a good impression of him, too. I like that. Well, I spoke to him. I'm like, whoa, geez, sorry, why are you getting so mad? All I said was email. All I said is WikiLeaks. <laughs> if there's nothing there, if there's no there, there, why are you acting like Farrakhan as soon as I bring it up? Do we um, know if Brad Bauman is a, a DNC PR guy or strategist? He is a political crisis consultant okay. that works for, um, yeah. He, he, he actually... I was told by the third, by Wheeler and the person who hired him that he was assigned to the family by the DNC. Okay. Alicia, we're up against the break. 
we got a, a, a number of questions to, to get into when you come back, uh, covering a few topics. Folks, you're listening to Alicia Powell on this edition of the Hagman Report. Alicia is a writer at WorldNet Daily, and uh, we got some some great announcements. I don't think we're getting to them now with WorldNet Daily and the Hagman Report, but you will be hearing about them soon. And uh, she is a writer there. You can see if you're watching the YouTube screen, you can see her articles, uh, the history of her articles there. Check them out. Read them. Uh, she's a, a great journalist. We'll be right back with Alicia after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changepersonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless.
my son right there, Joe Hackman. See, I'm pointing right there. You can't, you can't. If you're listening to Global Talk, you can't see that. And Eric the Tech's not. Global Star. And Eric the Tech Global is not, Tech. uh, well, Global Talk, Global Star. Anyway, now, there he is, right? Okay. Thanks. Yeah, just see that there, little flash. Computer, my mouth open. Yeah. Anyway, folks, I, thank you so much for joining us. And you know, sometimes you just have to lighten the mood a little bit. It gets a little tense and, you know, things happen. Our very special guest, Alicia Powell, P-O-W-E, follow her on Twitter. And in fact, uh, she's just gangbusters there. A lot of great information. Also on WND is where she writes. That's her home. Uh, bookmark WND. Bookmark World Net Daily. Follow her. Read her articles. They're fantastic articles. I'm going to kick it over to you, my son, Joe. Yeah, and, during uh, the break, uh, Alicia Powell is our guest. World Net Daily is who she writes for. Um, during the break, we were talking a little bit about another subject, and it's good as time now that I need to switch gears. Fox News. There's been a, a lot of changes at Fox News over the past few months. Um, we have a, a writer, Peter Choka, who writes for the American Thinker, who has been writing about Fox News and their ratings, and also that they dropped, was it their fair and balanced motto, I believe? I don't know if you saw that. but uh, Fox, I did not see that they dropped their fair and balanced logo. I'm going to check to make sure that's it. Because it doesn't apply to them anymore. <laughs> Very well said. Uh, you know, they've been hiding their, their anti-Trump bias, uh, you know, with some hosts and other hosts don't hide it at all. But they definitely right. have, uh, you know, they're, they're partially owned by, uh, one of the princes in Saudi Arabia. They are not, as much, as much as they pretend to be a conservative outlet, they are not a, a conservative outlet. Some of the hosts may be, but they do a, a great job of, of, intermixing them with these, you know, liberal people like Shepard Smith and, and I mean, others. I, I don't have a problem with liberals on Fox News, right? That is a part well, of no. the fair and balance. What I do have a problem with is the way they treated Bill O'Reilly. He's been on, he basically has built the network from its, you know, inception. He's been the top rated host for 20 years and he's let go admit, like, in a very, he doesn't even say goodbye. Um, because of sexual harassment allegations. These are the same allegations they tried to make for him back in 2006. It, okay, Democrats have been trying to destroy Fox News from as long as I've been engaged in politics, right? All throughout college, Fox News is a Republican network. It's the Bush network. Like, it's the only network on television where you're, and the only place on television with the exception of Newsmax that's brand, you know, just spawning and one American news network that's cut like two or three years old, four or five years old and doesn't have half the audience that Fox News has. It's the only place you're going to get conservative perspective from. And the left is trying to silence that all opposition. And they finally were able, you know, we won the election, conservatives, Republicans, we won the White House, we won the Senate in, in Congress, but the left is still somehow winning because they are waging this war, this, this censorship battle. They're doing it on Facebook. They're doing it on Twitter because they can't control this new, you know, all this new information, Breitbart, uh, Infowars, WND, et cetera. There's so many news outlets and even, you know, bootleg news outlets that are still passing on the information. And, um, 
So finally, they got out their number one target. The guy who has the 8 o'clock primetime spot, number one for 20 years, Bill O'Reilly. And then they don't even say goodbye. The same network that has this show, Outnumbered, where there's six women sitting on both sides of the couch with their legs crossed and mini, super mini skirts on, and there's one guy sitting in the middle. What is, what is that supposed to, what kind of messaging is that, right? For mm-hmm. a network that is letting go Bill O'Reilly for sexual harassment, but they have this image that they're constantly promoting every day at 11 o'clock of some man sitting in the middle of the couch with, three, with six chicks. Um, and then women like Megan Kelly, uh, who wear spaghetti straps at nine o'clock on doing primetime coverage during the election and, and, and wants everybody to be okay with her being sexy, claims Bill O'Reilly and Roger Ailes sexually harassed her. Well, what qualifies sexual harassment in this day and age, in this vulgar day and age where people like Kim Kardashian are treated like monarchy in our society? Is it, oh, you have a nice dress? Women can use sexual harassment as a weapon. Oh, he grabbed me by the arm. I'm abused. Women have a, you know, we're all victimhood and stuff, except all of that victimhood stuff always swings back to reverse, reverse isms, reverse racism, reverse sexism. All of the isms are reversed to being the person who has a victimhood having more power and taking advantage of that power and abusing that power. You know, because if you're going to dress right. provocatively, then expect people to look at you provocatively. And, and Alicia, do you think what we're seeing with, in the larger sense, and I'd like to look at the big picture here. Um, you you had uh, obviously what you're referring to, uh, Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity was the um, um, back in April, the, the last straw by one of his detractors, a serial detractor, in my view, my opinion. Um, made some allegations. Bottom line is, then you have the, the sponsors too. Yeah, the sponsors. Is this an organ, orchestrated takedown, Alicia? Do you believe, um, or is this just a, a whole bunch of coincidental bad timing of things? No, it's definitely an orchestrated takedown. Just as orchestrated as it was, where, um, you know, as soon as all this stuff about Barrett cooking comes out of the Clinton emails. And as soon as they get shellacked during the election, and all of a sudden we see stuff about fake news. Fake news, fake news, fake news, this is fake news, that's fake news. We didn't hear that term before. And and it came from people like, uh, you know, Jeff Zuckerberg and the, found, the founder of Facebook. And it came from top Democrats. Fake news, fake news, fake news campaign. And that's part of it. And it's part of silencing opposition. And um, it's part of getting the liberal base angry enough about this opposition to go out and shoot people like Hodgkinskin Hodgkinskin did this past week. Um, so yes, it's orchestrated. They but the left is masterful in their propaganda campaigns and their orchestrations, where we see all kinds of unorganization and no teamwork on the conservative side. Right? Where we just let them slander our slander President Trump and try to impeach him. How dare we? They have no backbone to investigate Seth Rich. And speaking of Sean Hannity, that was another way they tried to take down Sean Hannity recently, and he lost advertising for bringing up Seth Rich. 
he was the only one on the mean on the television that was doing that was talking about suffrage. Well, yeah, besides One American News Network, and he was talking about it before One American News Network was, and most people haven't even heard of One American News Network yet. So, yeah. It's orchestrated, and we saw Handy do a good job of weathering that storm and keeping his spot, even though Twitter was saying he was fired. Everyone on on social media was saying he wasn't going to come back from his Memorial Day vacation, but he did, and he didn't cower, Um, you know, so... Yeah, but it's a disturbing trend, um, and I don't know why we've seen them kind of back off a little bit maybe because they were unsuccessful with Hannity and his sponsors. But this is a problem, in, in our opinion, that is just um, died out a little bit. It's not going away. It will come back, and they will use these tactics against anybody in the media or otherwise, uh, as we've seen uh, countless examples of, to try to, to push their will um, into these other corporations and, and businesses so they can have their way. But as you said, Sean Hannity did a great job of making sure that uh, he did not fall fall victim to this, and you know that's um in this day and age that's a, a tall task all by itself. Um, well, it takes having a spine, something yeah. we don't see from a lot of people who are so-called leaders. Um, and the good news is Bill O'Reilly said on Saturday night during the No Spin Zone tour that he's launching his own network, which I think is a good thing. And the more networks, the more news media outlets that come up, especially with someone founding them like Bill O'Reilly, the better. Um, so that's that's good news. And from what I understand, he also uh, teamed up with Glenn Beck, I think, and has been doing segments on The Blaze and and a few others. Yeah. Uh, writing for the the Hill, I believe, a little bit too. So he hasn't gone away. And if he does launch his, his own network, it it's always good when when people do that uh, because it brings more diversity into the media. Uh, Alicia, kind of switching gears here. What's going on with uh, uh, Donald Trump and Hugo Chavez? Um, well, I know Venezuela has been, <laughs> um, basically President Trump in Cuba, I'm sorry. Cuba. Um, <laughs> Cuba. Sorry. Yeah, well, I-, I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, well, I think that the president is basically backtracking from the appeasement of socialism that we saw President Obama partake in in his last few years of office and good riddance. Um, the people, my, my family just, well, my grandmother was Cuban and one of my family members just came from, back from Cuba. And when you see pictures of Cuba, it looks like a third world country, right? And reason being is because of those communist policies. And for Barack Obama to have, uh, you know, basically... Uh, back the socialist government is not going to help the people and it's not going to better the country and all it is is um, allowing these this, this poverty to perpetuate and that's basically what leftists do anyway is, 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 is uh, stand behind a platform that's under the guise of social mobility which really thwarts social mobility Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, we see the the walking back of um, the Obama policies on Cuba, and I guess it doesn't matter what what Trump does. Um, he's gonna he's gonna catch crap from all directions. 
every time he makes it makes a decision and uh, this is obviously no different from any other time uh, Alicia we got about 15 minutes left to go uh, where do you want to go that we haven't touched well, on you yet because we can I, rather than ask her where she wants to go can I ask you Alicia um, what do you think okay part of the deep state and, and, and forgive me for my interruption which is so rude all the time but where the the war that has taken place against the presidency, the president, um, Donald Trump, it, and I have said this. I said this today on on Pastor Paul Begley's show. I, I've been saying this all along. The the in my in my view, Alicia, it, the what's taking place is not just an attempt to, to quote kill the presidency, not literally necessarily, although I wouldn't take that off the table. Uh, but it, or kill the president. It's to kill the presidency, to, to take down our nation. The Republicans in name only, the never Trumpers, part of the deep state, part of the shadow government, whatever you want to call it, deep state, I guess. Um, what the heck? Um, what's, what's their agenda as we move forward here specifically, um, to the best of your assessment? Well, it seems like they are not standing, they're not telling Democrats to stop these calls for impeachment. There really is no, no, nothing that President Trump has done that's unconstitutional. But, I mean, all that you can really speculate and gather from the obstruction that Republicans anti-Trump Republicans are engaging in. I mean, it's different for different people, right? Look at John McCain, who comes out and says that President Trump, uh, Barack Obama was a better leader under President Trump. I mean, than President Trump was. And also you had uh, Jason Chavez, who's who's retiring from the Congress, also come out and say that uh, President Trump President Obama was better than President Trump as a stronger leader. That that, that really angered me to hear that. I, I don't know about you, but to hear these, to me, these are very low blows. Um, and you talk about disunity when it matters, the, or when unity matters the most. We're seeing this, these rats, and I mean rats, that are really taking shots at, at our at our president. And I, I'm not too happy about this, but go go ahead. Well, where's their you know where where's their bold and insulting comments against the Democrats? We always see them want to work at, work across the aisle um, to work with Democrats, but they're okay with insulting the pres- you know the Republican president. They want to appease Obama and you know work across the aisle with Obama, but. They're okay with Democrats saying, let's impeach Trump and let's keep investigating Trump. So Trump's really in this alone in many respects. And, um, you know, people like McCain, perhaps they're jealous. Perhaps he holds a vendetta against Trump for saying that he wasn't a real war hero. Trump said he likes war heroes who don't get captured. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, that is a bruising, that is an ego bruising remark. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched, um, a, I watched a, 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 a compilation of of President Trump, uh, then candidate Trump, really rip up some people, uh, you know, from Marco Rubio to to Jeb Bush to, yeah. Uh, so I, I guess there there's some payback or whatever you want to call it, bad blood. And you also, you just see a follower mentality coming out of the Republicans. You know, um, they aren't willing to say anything controversial. They aren't willing to take a stand. 
We saw this during the presidential election, right? We saw Trump's leadership qualities stand out where everybody was going to keep saying the same politically correct things. Um, there's so many examples in that. One of them could be where, um, you know, Ben Carson couldn't, what didn't hear his name getting called out. And the rest of them just kind of patted Ben Carson on the back. Well, sorry, buddy. You're, you're slow. You didn't hear them call your name during the presidential debate. And Trump stood and stood next to Ben Carson and allowed everyone to walk onto the stage while the rest of them just kind of, oh, sorry, pal, you're, you're pretty slow. So they said to the, you know, she did the, the neurosurgeon on the stage. <laughs> so there's an example of the mentality that we're looking at in Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill, on the presidential campaign, which is why Trump won and Cruz didn't. And the rest of them all fell down as little weaklings because they are not willing to take a stand and to do say and do what needs to be done at the time that we're in now, facing the, the enemy that we're facing now, which is, you know, the media supporting ISIS, and the media uh, uh, basically... And spilling a mental illness in people enough that's that that's filled with enough animosity from them to come out and and assault us, assault conservatives, um, kill conservatives. So, what's to become of it? I can't say. I'm not not you know. I I don't know. We saw President Bush get slapped in the face left and right against Democrats. I mean, from um, Democrats, and he never spoke out against the media like Trump has. But we also saw us lose wars because he wasn't able to galvanize American support enough for there to be the hearts and minds of the American people um, to lead us to victory in these wars. Um, so I think it's so early in the Trump administration. We're just about five months in. and Yeah, 150-some days. It's not very long at all. Um Eventually, this Comey Russia stuff is going to die down because there's nothing there. <laughs> Unless you find out Seth Rich leaked the emails, and then that you know that still won't get the merit it deserves probably because the Democrats are in control of the um, mediums of propaganda and movies and culture and awareness. <laughs> so um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, unfortunately, they are in control of the communication methods to the people. Um, any talk in, in D.C., um, one, about the, the – everybody. I've been hearing a lot of people making a deal about the congressional August recess that's upcoming, um, and members of the GOP said they're looking to uh, cancel the August recess to be able to get more of the agenda through. Uh, have you heard anything about that? Well, let's see, even if they do cancel the August recess, will they be able to get any more of the agenda through? What's really stopping them from getting the agenda through when they have enough votes, right? Right. I mean, except that there's a couple of Republicans in there who aren't going to participate in what needs to be voted on, or they're going to... I mean, we're outnumbering Democrats, so there should be stuff moving, but there's obstructionists um, on Capitol Hill who are Republicans who hate Trump. One of them is John McCain. Another one of them was obviously Jason Schaffes. You can't really trust Paul Ryan. Um, you can't really trust, trust Mitch McConnell. Um, there's lots of them we can't really trust. And they made their true colors clear during the presidential um, election. Maybe they've come around, but 
doesn't look like they have. I mean, it's really a pri- about priorities. Um, you, you know, and I think the Freedom Caucus makes good points, but we, go. yep. we need to pass legislation and, and amend it, right? We need to get rid of Obamacare and amend it. That would be a goal, a win. You know what bothers me the most is I, um, Alicia, that's somewhat, uh, related to what we're talking about here is the judiciary, the judicial branch. One of the, one of the key elements of any administration is the judiciary. And I think that Donald Trump has been hobbled by the, um, lack of appointments, lack of personal appointments, getting the right people in under sessions or sessions not taking control over over the placement the selection of the people in the judiciary uh, judicial branch my question is to you, and I, I sent this out on my personal twitter account today i think the i think that donald trump should put the pressure on sessions or the, the judiciary the proper people to fire flat out fire mueller that's what i believe the hell with the optics get rid of mueller yeah, and while you're at it, get rid of Koskinen at the IRS. But why go. not? Why, why not? Why are we investigating? Why the suspicious Trump got rid of Comey? We wanted him to get rid of Comey. Look what Comey let Hillary Clinton get away with. Yes. Um, yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I think Trump needs to be a little more aggressive, but I think it's also calculated, right? He ultimately did get rid of Comey. And he didn't do it. He, there, I'm sure there's other things that, that are being calculated by the administration than just now, now, now. Um, and he's juggling a lot, right? It's back to judges. What about the immigration ban? <laughs> there you go. And, and that's you why know? I like you. I, I, because you, you think in multiple, multiple levels. Your analysis is really spot on, I believe. You, you do great, great analysis of, uh, you look at the situation and you game out different things. And, and you're one of the few, few investigative journalists that, that I've seen do that. So. Thank you for Thank doing you. that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, like in just five short months, President Trump has, uh, he's launched war with, uh, he's had great back and forth with North Korea, back and forth with Syria. Yeah. <laughs> um, we keep, we're getting, you know, obstructed by the appellate judges in the courts for letting this Trump ban on Muslim, um, you know, the temporary ban on, on, on immigrants from these, these terrorist-ridden countries come here, come come to our nation, right? It's wrong to vet immigrants. <laughs> um, we're trying to build the wall. There's so much, and in five months to really say, oh, the president hasn't done enough, I think is absurd. He's moving hard on numerous fronts, and he's also being obstructed by Democrats in a way we haven't even seen. We saw how bad it was with Bush. But if the level of hatred is even more so with President Trump, because they've got to fight harder because he has come closer to winning over the hearts and minds of the American public because of his authenticity. Um, at least during the campaign and according to polls, you know, he's, he's doing well in the polls too. So he's up against a lot and we just need prayer and support of people who are who, so all he has is uh, are Americans, right? We can't say obviously people from the Trump White House have been leaking information. We can't entrust the intelligence agencies. You see, we can't trust the FBI with Comey's situation with Hillary or with um, Seth Rich, right? They're the 
they were obstructed that investigation, it seems, or with the fact that James Hodgkinson, they, they're, they refrained from saying that him shooting up Republicans was a terror, an act of terror, or that he had a list of names of Republicans in his pocket who he sought out to shoot that day, um, who were all members of the House Freedom Caucus. Um, so I think all in all, we are on a path where we are still winning, and we need to remember that, and we need to not let the liberal media dominate the narrative. And they, they definitely uh, know what they're doing when they do that. They've been doing it for so long, but it is getting worse and worse. Alicia, we only got about a minute left uh, before the break. Uh, last question. Any quick thoughts on the uh, Georgia election that's happening between um, Ossoff and, and Handel in uh, the 6th District? Well, the Democrats, I believe, have poured about $25 million into yep. this congressional race. Most expensive in history, they're saying. And now, I believe, um, the Republican um, contender is is uh, so evil for mentioning the fact that Hodgkinson went up during an ad, that Hodgkinson went and, and, and was galvanized by leftist propaganda. Mm-hmm. To go and shoot Republicans, so Republicans are evil for she's evil, Karen. You know, for going and mentioning that. Now, this race is supposedly for liberals going to, you know, if if, if the, the Democrat wins, then that's supposed to be a testament how of how Americans hate Trump. Yep. And all the polls have been showing that um, the Democrat was going to win. Asselhoff is going to win until the you know. It's boiling down to where Americans are going to vote, and the real polls don't show that. <laughs> so now they're, uh-oh, what, what if we lose? Yeah. Alicia Powell from World Net Daily, uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You did a fantastic job. We covered a lot of ground, and uh, it was great as always. We look forward to having you back on right in the here. future. Absolutely. Thank you. God have bless you. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Folks, Alicia Powell, you know what, Joe? I, I, I love the way she writes, too. Uh, folks, check her out at WND.com, World Net Daily. She, it, a fantastic investigative journalist. Really, some great stuff. Uh, great investigative reports on WND.com. We'll be right back after these, after this break with Sergeant Tim. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Look, we're look we're facing we're facing global war right now. You know, I had said uh, for how many uh, for how long World War Three is going to begin in Syria? What do we have today? We have headlines: uh, Russia warns United States, U.S. Uh, U.S. Uh, fires and takes down one of the Syrians' uh, fighter jets. Folks, this is dangerous, and this is the doctrine of the people who are, in my view anyway, and, and uh, Sergeant uh, Tim, uh, a contributing author for uh, the Hagman Report, uh, HagmanReport.com, as well as his own website. We'll be talking to him about that, but um, he's a military analyst. If anyone knows Russia, if anyone knows the geopolitics, it is 
him. But here's my bottom line view. We have been, we, the Western intelligence agencies, elements within the Western intelligence, and I'm not talking about your average run-of-the-mill, um, uh, I'm talking about the, the globalists embedded in the Western intelligence services, whether it's in the United States or whether it's in France or Israel or Europe, uh, the U.K., um, they are fulfilling a, a globalist agenda. That agenda includes, but is not limited to, um, getting us into a war with, with Russia and China, uh, but specifically with Russia. And the flashpoint, in my view, is Syria. If in, To understand Syria, you've got to understand the entirety of uh, the Arab Spring. Arab Spring was not a spontaneous uprising. It was planned. And see, people don't understand this, and the media is, doesn't explain this, nor do they have any desire to explain it, because they, they would expose then, and therefore the globalist agenda. So you have to understand the Arab Spring, because the Arab, once you understand the Arab Spring, then you could put Benghazi in the proper context and understand that, that Libya, we had to get rid of Libya for a number of reasons. Just as we had to get rid of Saddam, we had to get rid of Gaddafi, Similar purposes, different kind of different reasons. Don't forget, uh, Gaddafi was co- uh, cooperating with Bush in the United States uh, following 9/11, and bam, gone. And Hillary, Diane Rodham, the witch, the yak, Clinton, and Joe doesn't like the yak. I just want to tell you, Joe doesn't like the yak uh, comment anymore. Um, Eric still chuckles over it, Eric the Tech, but nonetheless, the. Uh, the takedown of Gaddafi to the delight of Hillary Clinton was absolutely horrifying and sickening to anybody with a pulse and a conscience. Now, to understand Benghazi, you have to understand the Arab Spring and vice versa. And, of course, Benghazi, the largest gun arms running operation out of northern Africa by the Central Intelligence Agency and other intelligence agencies in the West, as well as Qatar, UAE, and such, all across Northern Africa. Michael Reagan did a piece on it. Remember back uh, right after Benghazi, Michael Reagan did a piece on it, uh, a call a report on it. Uh, I had some communication there. Uh, I did a lot of reporting on this, and turns out we were right, but when you when you look at all of the smoke and mirror stuff that went on with Congress, Trey Gowdy, um, who else? Uh, uh, the Bulldogs of uh, Trey Gowdy and others. Nothing ever became of it, and, and you know that just fueled the progressives saying, "Well, you see, this is targeted prosecution of the uh, Hillary camp. This is of, of Hillary Clinton." Well, no, this is obstruction of justice by the globalist Republicans in the Senate Intelligence Committees and the the Gang of Eight and the Senate and Congress. I mean, this is the worst of the worst in my view because they are hell-bent to get us into a war. We've been fighting a proxy war in the Middle East now since the fall of the Soviet Union. All right, we've been fighting a proxy war. Um, it's us against the Russians. Now it looks like it's going to go hot. I've written about this, Death Race Damascus. 
uh, Missiles of October. Uh, you can find my writings on HomelandSecurityUS.com or CanadaFreePress.com. It's about time he began reading them again because we are on that road to a full-blown war. But to talk, to bring us into uh, some clarity or to add some clarity about this, Sergeant Tim Weldon from, uh, well, Joe, I'm going to kick it to you. Let's, why don't you bring him in? Yeah, from the SGT Report, Sergeant Tim is our guest, and we got a lot of ground to cover tonight. Uh, Tim, welcome back to the show. Hey, Doug and Joe. Thank you so much for having me back on. Uh, I just want to say it's such a such an honor to follow Mr. House and Miss Powell on you guys' show, uh, and and I'm absolutely honored to be back around the Hagman table. So thank you so much. I'm sorry. You know, I miss I miss inter- I misintroduced you. <laughs> My goodness, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with me? That's Sean, all, it's all good. You know, okay. I'm looking at my notes, and, and actually, I've got. I'm, I'm not even going to make an excuse. Sean and from I the SGD report. I followed right along your lead. Man. Yeah, Sean. This is, okay. Well, I'm sorry. Well, this man. is this is Sergeant Weldon. Uh, I'm not with SGT report. I'm at outlawpatriotnews.wordpress.com, or over on Twitter, you can find me at outlawpatriot. Okay. Uh, so wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. So not not. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. I didn't make that mistake, so I was right. This is Sergeant Tim, Outlaw Patriot. Yes. We just had the wrong graphic up. Eric. <laughs> Eric, Eric the tech screwed me up. It's all, all good. Right. That's a doctor. So I, I was right. All right. <laughs> so much for live radio and TV. All right. All right. Let's get right into it. Yeah. Um, the shooting down of the, the Syrian jet by... American forces. I'm just going to ask you this question, and then you can uh, run with it if you want. Do you think this is something? Was this a uh, an order that was handed down from Trump, or was it from people on the ground? And I guess who who made this decision is the question. Well, well, honestly, Joe, I think that with this particular situation, um, I think that probably events unfolded so quickly. Um, that you can't really point to, um, you know, this was a premeditated move. Um, now certainly there could have been, uh, some premeditated or premeditation on the part of, of some of the officers involved. Um, whenever you talk about, well, the next time that they do this, this will be our response. But I think that probably the, the pilot in the FA 18 Super Hornet, uh, probably didn't have time to even even think uh, necessarily about what was uh, going on as he approached that that Su-22. But I think the the bigger thing at play here, this is really the convergence of a lot of different var- variables that have been in the works for a long time. Um, you know, we have a situation right now in this country where due to mainstream media influence as well as uh, certain peoples and certain people in certain political parties uh, our president is not able to execute his foreign policies not able to reach across and meet with Putin directly which is something that I think would have an amazing effect on the relations between our two countries look what it did whenever Reagan met with Gorbachev and hammered out those arms control treaties that they did and and brought Gorbachev over and showed him the United States and showed him the 
economic power of the United States and the capitalist system, it, it had an amazing effect. And when we talk about the, the fact that uh, due to the non-investigation of our president, it's, it's really handcuffing him. And I don't know that, that we can really solve this situation without talking to the Russians. I mean, it would be the same as if you have a problem with your neighbor if you don't go talk to them, it's not going to work out, right? Right. I mean, you, you need the co- the communication there. You need to be able to, um, and and that's one thing that bothered me about this story was they said they shut down that uh, back channel of communication or that channel of communication um, directly related to Syria between Russia and the U.S. But you're right. I mean, they have been, you know, at every turn, Trump has is made the enemy. He wanted to. Uh, repair the relationship between Russia and the media, the deep state and everybody else is trying to pit Russia as an an enemy, like the enemy of the Cold War and and put America on on track to to have a full out military confrontation with Russia, one way or the other that's that's what it seems like they're doing well that's that's the one thing that you know, when when I woke up on November 9th, the day after the election I, I breathed a huge sigh of relief and and I just thank God that it seemed like we had averted war with Russia because I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if Hillary Clinton, yakety yak, don't talk back, if she had been uh, elected the president of the United States, we would have been at war with Russia long before now. That was her plan. That was the plan of the globalists. And I thought that we had averted it by electing Donald Trump. But there's there's certain you know I mentioned that convergence of variables, and there's things that have been in play for a, a long time within our military that probably a lot of people have forgotten about um, that I feel like have have led to this situation. Um, you know, if you go back to some reporting in the alternative media back in in 2014, there was a lot of uh, focus on the fact that. Somewhere between 100 and 200 officers were purged under the Obama administration. I'm sure as it as it came to its end, uh, there were probably more than that. And I've got a quote here from a retired Navy captain, Joseph John, and and I'd like for the people to just listen to this quote and think about what what this means as far as where our military leadership is today. He said, I believe there are more than 137 officers who have been forced out or given bad evaluation reports so they will never make flag officer because of their failure to comply with certain views. That right there tells you that our military leadership has been pretty much uh, given over to, to the commissars the the exact same people who ran the Soviet military, if you don't comply with our political and our social justice views, you will be purged or you won't make the next rank. And so what we have here, and and I know that a lot of people have a hard time um, dealing with this because everyone wants to respect the uniform. Everyone wants to respect the people that are out there laying their lives down for our country and, and for our freedom. But ladies and gentlemen, the vast majority of generals and high-level officers are no longer soldiers. They're politicians. Uh, 
And what we've got at the top of our military right now is a group of people who were put in place by the Obama administration, very much what is talked about when Doug and Joe and, and other platforms talk about the the deep state. These are the guys that are running the deep state. And so you, you have this situation where you have the military chock full of, of officers who really are beholden to points of view that came from the previous administration that I think that most people in America rejected on November the 8th. And then you look at a, a 14 June, just just last week, an article from The Guardian titled Donald Trump's Hands-Off Approach Gives U.S. Military Free Reign. And that's something that, that a lot of, or not a lot, but uh, the last couple of presidents have been uh, kind of blamed for is the fact that they meddled too much in the affairs of the generals. Um, they they got their hands in there influencing what was going on. And so I understand Donald Trump wants to take a hands-off approach. But when you take a hands-off approach with a military that is led by people who literally are your ide ideological enemies, that they will do whatever it takes you know, by, by whatever means necessary to overthrow you, um, then you, you have a situation where they're looking to um, have events that are going to portray you in a bad light. And I think that that's, that's exactly what has happened here. Uh, a hands-off approach in Syria is what has led to an aggressive stance by the United States and standing up for people that we don't even know that they're not they're not radical Islamic ex, you know ex, extremists just like ISIS is they they could very well be the very same people that were fighting on the ground um in in your analysis sergeant Tim uh-huh um do you okay i don't know whether you 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 heard my introduction early on but um, I, I contend it, it is my assertion that the uh, uh, Zygmunt Brzezinski, for example, he, uh, given his heritage, Polish heritage, he always had a thing for Russia. He always had this this uh, hatred for Russia, and of course, when he joined at the hip, uh, when he joined at the hip with uh, uh, Carter, and became Carter's uh, national security advisor, foreign policy advisor, whatever. Uh, the and developed the, the, the essentially the, the Taliban um, or the Mujahideen to fight uh, the Soviet then the Soviet Union in order to bring them down to mire them up in Afghanistan the empire killer country um, that that policy was really not growth of the CFR in the Trilateral Commission and it's the policy continuing today with the uh, neocon globalists, whether they're in our, our well, the globalist uh, period, um, we are. Uh, as, and as you said, okay, we uh, and I get this: the military being led by the color guard or the color of the flag officers. The um, it, it's more of a politics, a game of politics, as it is a game of or a. a the rules of war. It's it's led by 
politicians. I, I guess I'm more or less repeating what you said, but but I, I guess what I'm looking at here is, uh, Mike. I ultimately my my question is: Can any of this be stopped by 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 President Trump? Can it be stopped? Because I, I I'm looking at this thinking, I don't think so. Well, and that's that's the thing that really disheartens me is, um, you know, I wanted to be like like a lot of other people that I have seen uh, on the internet, on social media, uh, that I've interfaced with uh, at work, and I wanted to have complete and total faith in this administration to do what was right. Um, and I'm not saying that Donald Trump is is a bad man, but he is a man just like you and I are, and we all have our flaws. And I think that one of the things that perhaps his administration failed to consider and failed to do in those first few days in office was to look at the military. I think that they, they looked at it and they automatically assumed that the military was on their side because uh, so many of the enlisted corps is on their side, and, and there are quite a few officers that are on their side as well. But when you look at those upper echelons, it has been filled. I mean, generals and, and colonels and lieutenant colonels, those guys are not appointed. They, they make their rank uh, based on merit, based on their evaluation reports, just like everyone else. But certainly those reports can be uh, made to look better or worse in order to promote the right people. And certainly, uh, the administration can force out, uh, generals and, and flag officers that they feel like don't play along with, with their game. And I think that Donald Trump would have been better suited to, to sit down and take a look at the generals that he had around him and make sure that he wasn't getting, um, bad information of what is on the ground there in Syria and, and, you know, another hot spot is North Korea, uh, to make sure that, that he's getting the real scoop and not the scoop that, um, is, is politically, uh, good. You know, it wasn't that long ago that the Obama administration also got in trouble for, uh, falsifying intelligence reports, um, that portrayed the rise of ISIS in a certain light to make it look like they weren't as effective as what they were. Um, and that that type of manipulation of information can come from, from the intelligence community, but it can also come from the troops on the ground. And I think we see that quite a bit. You know, I, don't, I remember back in the Iraq War, um, I, I thank God every day that, that I was not over there in combat, but I had a lot of friends that were, and, and, and I talked to them extensively about their experiences over there and, and what it was like on the ground. And then I would watch these uh, generals get up on TV and talk about how rosy everything was when in reality uh, we had made one of the greatest mistakes uh, any nation can make in thinking that you can go in and, and grow democracy in a culture that has not made the appropriate cultural... Um, steps in order to to accept democracy, because in order for democracy to flourish, in order for a democratic republic to flourish, there has to be the respect for 
the individual, the individual rights and life. And I'm not saying that Western culture is any better than, than Eastern culture or, or even Middle Eastern culture. Um, but what I am saying is that there is a difference. And if you have not made those, those steps, you know, like the Western culture did with, uh, things like the, the Renaissance and, and, uh, things like that that led to those founding, uh, principles of, of liberty and of respect for individual rights, then you can't have democracy. And I think, you know, that's one of the, the places that I actually agree with Putin whenever he talks about the, um, the development of Russia as a democratic republic. And he says, look guys, Western democracy does not work for the Russian people. We are, we are accepting democracy, but it's not going to look like it does in the United States and it's not going to look like it does in France or Germany. It's going to be a Russian democracy. And that is necessary for these cultures. Um, but I think, I think in this situation, what what we're seeing, and and I have to tell you guys, and I, I don't mean to scare anyone in your audience. I don't mean to scare you guys, um, but I will tell you that I am very worried about this situation. I've I've been working in the intelligence community, and I've been working uh, with Russia uh, for twenty plus years, and this is the first time in my career where I have been worried about something that has happened in as far as it actually leading to war. Um, you know, the Russians came out today and they said that anything that's flying west of the Euphrates River, they will consider to be a target, whether it's uh, U.S. or Alliance, you know, coalition aircraft. And I, what do you guys think would happen what do you think Trump would do if a Russian MiG or a Russian uh, aircraft shot down an American airplane, you know, an American fighter jet? What do you think would happen, Doug? Uh, uh, oh, wow. Um, great question. Uh, I do believe uh, – well, I'd like to – maybe it's wishful thinking. I'd like to think that he would um, – get on that red phone or whatever color it might be and say hey Vlad what the heck um, or, or 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 maybe get on to his own people and ask the generals who are commanding this war what the heck what are you doing right. I don't know what, I, 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 that's what I like to think well, and it, it seems like we the the media has created a situation where he can't even do that. You know, they they pick apart everyone within his cabinet if they have any contact whatsoever with the Russians. And Russia is not our friend, but I firmly believe that nations don't have friends; they have alliances for a time, and a lot of good in this world could become of the United States and Russia uh, working together, especially in the Middle East and in, in taking on ISIS. I think a lot of good could be accomplished with Russia and the United States coming together and using a, a combined front to counter China. 
you know, we we don't get a lot of news here in in the West about China and what's going on there, but they're far worse than what Russia is, and yet these these people that are in our mainstream media and, and many of our politicians, and I honestly think that they're they're already uh, on the take by the Chinese, but they want you to think of China as our friend and and our trading partner and. Uh, that it's it's good to cozy up to China. Uh, I think a lot of that comes from the Clinton cabal and the fact that Bill Clinton pretty much sold the United States out to China with his uh, various trade deals as well as handing them the multi multiple reentry vehicle technology for nuclear weapons. Um, Laurel, if, if you, right? You know, Laurel, right? And Charlie Tree. Um, Outlaw Patriot News, Sergeant Tim from Outlaw Patriot News. Follow him on Twitter, uh, twitter.com, Outlaw Patriot, Sergeant Tim Weldon. Uh, uh, Sergeant Tim, uh, can we keep you on for... Through the next segment? Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right, good. Yeah, we got a, a lot more to get into. Man. Uh, Outlaw Patriot News is the website. Sergeant Tim is the guest. He'll be with us for... Uh, till the end of the show, one more segment, yeah. and we're going to get into uh, continue to talk about the U.S.-Russia relations. We're also going to get into uh, a story that has we haven't had a chance to talk about that's being underreported in the news: the USS Fitzgerald and the seven dead American sailors who died in that mysterious crash. We'll be right back with Sergeant Tim after this this break. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changelosenwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. 
Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Folks, I have a favor to ask. We have a favor to ask each and every one of you. Um, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Okay? Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, very simply, go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the uh, link to our YouTube channel and so subscribe. Also, subscribe to our network feed, our Twitter accounts, our Facebook accounts. This raises our visibility. It makes it a little bit more difficult for dismissal, and it spreads the word. Also, I want to thank each and every one of you for for your support. Thank you, because we are outpacing our supply lines. We, I've got to tell you, we're doing a lot of investigative work in the field, and it's really been uh, uh, it's it's a commitment. It's a major commitment, and I think you've seen. Uh, John Robertson's been working his uh, tail off, and I think you can see the uh, the uh, uh, end result here. We've got such quality guests like Sergeant Tim, a contributing author, uh, in addition to having Outlaw Patriot News, contributing author to the Hagman Report as well. His expertise, invaluable, especially in times like this. Um, Trading Post in the Woods, folks. Tradingpostinthewoods.com. What a great outfit. They've got some fantastic products this this is like these are the products you're going to need when things go south you're going to want to have these in your pantry in your area of uh, in your shelter when a doctor is not available a dentist uh, you know or you need specific remedies for specific, uh, very specific things this is what you need in fact they created the american heritage remedies kit Deluxe package just for the Hagman and Hagman Report folks. Trading posts in the woods. Contact them. If you have any questions about the products, call them. Have some dialogue with them. They're extremely, extremely helpful. That's tradingpostinthewoods.com. Sergeant Tim, before we go any further, let me ask if, if I can lighten this up a little bit. And you, you feel free to say no. Okay? I'm mm-hmm. going to, okay. Can you say, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report in Russian. You did that one time before, but can you say We сейчас слышу тебя. We Hagman and Hagman Report. Okay, now that's right. gonna that what this is gonna do, what you've just done, that is going to solidify our detractors that we are part of the <laughs> Russian agenda. But anyway, all right. But you know what's what's funny about that is I have met you know they they sit here and they talk about. Uh, 
these congressmen, these cabinet members meeting with uh, Ambassador Kisilyak. Uh, I've actually sat in the same room and interpreted for the head of the GRU, um, and I can assure you that I am not a Russian agent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no doubt, you are a true American patriot, and we thank you for that. Um, the opening question, and then I'm going to kick it to Joe. Here's my opening question. How can the progressive communists in our government, in our media, these morons in the media, how, given the landscape, the geopolitical landscape, and the, and the um, uh, antagonism between Russia and the United States, how can they justify Saying that we are compromised, or Donald Trump was, or how can they even put President Donald Trump in uh, on the same side with the Russians, given the scenario that we're seeing today? And then, though, that's my question. Well, don't you think it's funny, Doug, how all these years, uh, you guys, Alex Jones, uh, I've even been called it in in uh, you know team rooms and and on various teams I've been on, but we've all been called conspiracy theorists uh, because we believed in uh, looking at the facts, doing analysis, and coming to our own conclusions. Yet what we're seeing play out right now in the mainstream media within the Democratic Party is nothing more than conspiracy theory. It is them looking for something to discredit this administration and to discredit those who support this administration. I know that for the people out there that have read some of my writing, I've been really hard on the Trump administration of late. But as someone that supports him, I believe that I have to be hard on him on the things that I see that I don't agree with. But that doesn't in any way lessen my support for the man and, and his plans for this country. And I believe that we're already seeing it unfold in the economic policy, in his foreign trips abroad where where he was received very well. I would say much better than Obama, even though the mainstream media propped Obama up. But I think... The reason why they're, they're going so hard on this is, number one, they don't have anything else to go hard on. And number two, they realize that if they wait until the economy is, is back on track and, and things do start to improve for the middle class, then they'll have nothing. They'll lose the entire game in their mind. And, uh, and I just I, I find it hilarious the conspiracy theory, and the fact that the, there's so many people out there. You know, they only get their news from uh, from the the mainstream media. They only read the headlines of news articles. They don't read any deeper, and so they believe what what the mainstream media is telling them. And they are the ones that are becoming conspiracy theorists. But they're the same ones who sit there and yell it at you. Uh, it's it's kind of like the whole Antifa thing. You know, they sit there and yell Nazi, Nazi, Nazi at the Trump supporters, yet they're the ones who are acting uh, like Nazis, like the brown shirts trying to, to shut everyone down. Um, but I, I, I just find it, you know, funny that the table is turned, uh, the alternative media is rising. You know, I, I wrote a, a piece... I think it was at the back in January called uh, 
you know, stating that 2017 was the year that the alternative media was going to take over the the mainstream media, and this is exactly what we're seeing. You know, I know uh, not only is John bringing home great shows for you guys, but I, I see a lot of the work that is going on behind the scenes, um, and I see it in the shows that you guys are producing. And this this format has come a long way over the time that I've been listening to it. I've been I've been listening to it for for three or four years. Um, I actually credit this show with bringing me back to uh, back to the Lord and and back to Christianity in a time when uh, this was the only thing that I had to show me back down that path. And in in saying that. And I know that, that you guys sometimes get embarrassed when people do this, but I would just ask everyone that is listening to this show, uh, you know, if you can if you can spare a dollar to give to the show, you don't know how far that will go towards uh, not just not just keeping the show on the air, but improving the show. And this is this is a heck of a format. It's one that that gives. Not just guys like like Steve Quell who have been doing it for what thirty years. Uh, not just guys like that a format, but they bring guys like me on who, uh, you know, I've I've done a few podcasts here and there, but I'm really nobody, and I I can't be more thankful to you, Doug and Joe, and and I can't be any more um, pleased with with the way that the show is going. I just thank you guys again for having me on. Well, absolutely, uh, Tim, and, and we thank you for, for being a part of the show and uh, thank the Lord that that it was the show uh, you know, that put you back on, on the path that you wanted to be on, and that's always a blessing to, to hear that, even despite us and, and what we do here sometimes. <laughs> but, um, no, and that's one thing that, that's great about the show, and many of our listeners have been listening for a while, and, it, and it, it's almost like a, a family atmosphere, and... Um, you know, without the Lord, we wouldn't be here doing this right now, and and you know that that's all thanks to Him. And John has exactly. been doing a great job of, um, you know, kind of reformatting and and changing some things around that have made for, um, you know, a, a much better show with the the breakdown of the schedule and with adding a, a whole, whole number of more guests. And that all obviously brings, um, you know, that some extra flavor to the show. And you know, we uh, so appreciate everybody who. Um, works you know on the front lines and in behind the scenes uh to make this happen and we appreciate the kind words um we have about 20 minutes left 20 some minutes left tim i want to make sure we we cover this before we go something that we've only heard mentions of in the media this past weekend the the uss fitzgerald the uh, ship that was struck in uh, i believe it was what the waters of japan and yes it was hit by a a um oh goodness a big uh commercial shipping vessel that was much bigger mm-hmm. than the ship. How can this happen? I One of the only people I heard in the last three days give this any real consideration was Michael Savage. He was asking some questions today that I believe uh, should have been asked by the media days ago when this first happened. How can one of the most advanced, uh, you know, the Navy, the most advanced technological sea arsenal in the world with the, the most advanced sonar and, and detection capabilities not only that, but you know, you have people who are supposed to be watching for these things to happen. How does this happen? Uh, can, can we see an accident like this happen, or do you believe there's something more to it? I've even heard uh, speculation that it, it could have been China, possibly testing their um, 
abilities to disable the the ship's uh, technologies and, and infrastructure because they're angry about the U.S.'s uh, agreeing to go into uh, the Philippines where ISIS has taken over after you know, they were told to, to stay away from there by the Philippine president. So well, and- it could be anywhere from an accident to, to sabotage by another country. Uh, what, what, what's your take on this? That's, you know, it's... Can accidents like that happen? Yes, absolutely. But, um, you know, I read a, an interesting article earlier. Um, I think it was from the Washington Post, of all places, uh, speaking of conspiracy theorists. But um, I, I read an article about uh, about what happened there on the Fitzgerald. And, and number one, bef- before I go any further, I just want to uh, say, you know, to the view, to the listeners to to please keep the families of those seven sa- so, ah, excuse me the families of those seven sailors uh in your thoughts and prayers uh no matter what you might think of the administration or or certain policies those sailors were there doing their duty and uh and their politics are are not something that that need to be talked about at this time uh so just keep the the families in your thoughts and prayers but one of the things that, that did jump out at me about this, so the the container ship that ran into them, and, and these are those types of container ships where you know they'll have hundreds of those giant uh, containers that if you've ever been down on the docks uh, in a port city, you, you see them unloaded off these ships. They're huge, huge ships. So how you could miss it, I, I don't know. But this report said that, um, so it happened in the Sea of Japan. It said that the container ship was a Filipino flagged vessel and that all 20 of the crew members were also Filipino nationals. Um, If you know very much about uh, the shipping industry, you know that not all the time is the crew of a ship, um, you know, if, if, for instance, if a container ship is flagged out of Liberia, that doesn't mean that the ship is actually Liberian. It could be from any port. It just means that the company who has provided that that flag is out of Liberia. Um, so, so it was Filipino flagged, 20 Filipino nationals on board, and the, the reason why that jumped out at me is because we have this, this ongoing battle right now in the Philippines of uh, elements of ISIS trying to take over certain parts of it and they said that this ship um, according to the uh, onboard navigation computer that uh, it had suddenly made a, a turn into the the Fitzgerald and so I started to wonder um, and, well and they said that Japan was also uh conducting the investigation as far as uh, professional negligence on the part of the container ship. Um, but it, it immediately made me wonder if these may not be elements of ISIS and maybe this was some kind of attack. I mean, we've seen uh, gunships run up along uh, side our ships uh, off the Horn of Africa and, uh, and attack them. Uh, what's to say if if they got a hold of a container ship that they wouldn't use it as a weapon as well? Yeah, a lot of questions, and there is seems to be an absence of of answers. And then, as you pointed out, the conflicting uh, reports on the times of when this happened 
Right. Uh, that that's kind of weird. And we have the the commercial ships maneuvers that they they made. I'm trying to pull up this report here. Here it is. That has all the details in it that I was reading earlier. But yeah, there's um. Um, a lot of unanswered questions here, and the the Navy's obviously you know keeping it hush hush, not saying well, much. It, right, they're always going to keep something like that hush hush, particularly if it is a terrorist attack, because they don't want to show uh, how it can happen again. Yeah, and, and the uh, the one interesting thing um, about this report from this is from the AP. This was on Drudge earlier. It talks about you know one thirty or roughly one thirty the. Uh, the commercial ship made a, a, a sharp turn. They say it's trying to avoid something. It could very well be it was turning into the ship. And then right. it made this U-turn. And then there's a discrepancy between the, the Japanese reporting and the U.S. Coast Guard reporting by an hour. Um, and you, know, you have that connection with the Philippines and, and ISIS in the Philippines. Do you think we'd ever, uh, if this was some kind of attack, we would ever hear about it and then they would ever admit that? Um... I I don't know. Uh, I think that if it was for sure, if they if they actually came out and said in the media that it was a terrorist attack, uh, then definitely there would be some kind of strike within the Philippines, whether uh, the president there chose to accept it or not. Um, but if they can keep it hush hush, I'm sure they will keep it hush hush. Um, my my own personal opinion. Uh, is you know there's there's too much unknown there to to say one way or the other. Uh, I just hope that that we do get some for sure information out and that it is the truth. Uh, a lot of times with stuff like this, they they like to um, paint paint the event a certain way that isn't necessarily the truth. <laughs> it's the alternative truth. Okay. Well. Um... You know, I guess we're going to have to keep paying attention to what's going on with that, and hopefully the the truth does come out. Um, all right, let's switch gears here, uh, Tim. Uh-huh. You found something interesting with the, and many people don't know this. Uh, I, I found out after the fact. I don't know. It's not highly publicized. I guess NBC is doing a terrible job of, of promoting, you know, their $15 or $15 million a year, Megyn Kelly. But she interviewed not only Alex Jones that aired this last Sunday, but two weeks before that, she interviewed Vladimir Putin. I'm not sure how many right. people saw that interview or even were aware that, that Putin was interviewed on one of the, the major news networks. But it was a very... it was, I found it to be much more interesting than the Jones interview. You found a mistranslation that the media was, was passing off as the accurate translation. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, yeah. And, and first of all, I just want to, to say... Um, you know, there there was an interpreter that was interpreting uh, what Putin was saying, and what he was saying in Russian was far more brutal than what they translated into English. But the Russian language is a far more brutal language, uh, <laughs> so uh, that's to be expected. Um, one of the things I saw when after she interviewed him at the economic forum, she went backstage and uh, she sat down for a one-on-one -on -one with him. And uh, this is, in my opinion, this is, this is no fault of the interpreter. It would be very difficult to translate this because um, it's not just verbal communication; it's it's nonverbal as well. And and that's one of the things that working as an interpreter, you just cannot 
you cannot communicate those nonverbals. That's something that has to be viewed. Um, but she asked him, you know, she asked him a whole series of questions. And whenever it came towards the end of it, she asked him about um, how, you know, she said that many Americans, whenever they hear the name Vladimir Putin, uh, they automatically uh, think of the repression in in the Russian Federation and and how. You know, journalists can be killed just for covering the administration uh, too closely or being uh, critical of the administration. Um, and and she asked him what he would say to those Americans uh, if he had the opportunity to, or, or something like that. And he went on for a few minutes, um, but the thing that really struck me was towards the end of of what he was saying. Um, he was looking down as he was talking like a lot of us will do whenever you're thinking about what you're going to say and as he said this final line he looked up at the camera uh, and I think it was the camera was over Megan's uh, shoulder but look, looked up at her and as he said it he had a sly little smile so he knew exactly what he was saying and he knew that there was no way that anyone other than a pretty darn good uh, Russian speaker would ever be able to catch this. But he said, um, he said uh, something along the lines, you know, he finished it up with uh, message. Well, in Russian, um, they have the concept of, of PR like we do. In Russian, it's actually one word. Um, but it has a slightly different connotation than it does for us. You know, we think of it as public relations, both good and bad. For the Russian, PR is uh, more like image management, making sure that nothing harms your image, making sure that, uh, you know, if, if there's any kind of controversy that you, you get it swept up in, uh, in short order. And... Uh, the word uh, message, uh, because it is also an, an English word and it is directly from that kind of sphere of work, whenever he said etinash message, what he was saying there was that is our kind of like our company line. Um, so he, he realized that he wasn't being completely honest. And I'll be honest with you, as, as someone that I, I'm not a, by any means a Putin fanboy. I disagree with a lot of th the things that he does, but I understand why he does what he does. And I do believe, for the most part, definitely he wants to get to get his out of what he's doing. But for the most part, he does look after the well-being of the Russians. Um, and, and if you don't believe that, look at the economy in 1999 in Russia whenever he took over and look at it today. He's done an amazing job of uh, improving the life of the Russians. Um, and he's done an amazing job rebuilding that military that was in shambles after the the breakup of the Soviet Union. But it, it gave me chills because it was the first time I really realized that some of the things that people are saying about him might be true. Just all in that look and that one single word, it made me realize that He's not being completely honest uh, whenever he gives these interviews, and 
and that struck me as as out of character for him because he usually does not um i mean he he straight up looked like a bond villain whenever whenever he did that and that's not something that he usually will let slip i mean he's a very controlled person uh worked for the KGB um he knows what he's doing whenever he makes a slip up like that and so i found that to be really interesting okay was there any other uh, any other points in the interview that you saw that are worth mentioning? Uh, um, well, I've I've seen a couple of interviews with Putin of late. Uh, one, I believe it was with CBS, and uh, I can't believe that CBS News would not have a better interpreter uh, because they he was in the tunnel uh, going out to to a hockey game. He was all suited up for hockey and. Uh, he was going to go out and I guess take a shot in front of uh, in front of the the crowd there, and they caught him in the tunnel as he was getting ready to go out, and uh, they asked him about um, Donald Trump's firing of James Comey. It was right around the time that that happened, and number one, he laughed and he said, "I don't know why you guys are uh, insist on asking me these questions. Like I have anything to do with this." Uh, but then he said, uh, which means I believe that he was within his full authority whenever he did this. And uh, the, the interpreter there, uh, instead, of, instead of saying competencia, you know, instead of translating that as authority, he translated it as competence, which uh, absolutely doesn't make any sense in English. Um, and it, I just thought that it, it showed how our media, when covering Russia, has absolutely no understanding of of what they're covering, who they're covering, the culture, the language, nothing. Uh, and that's a shame, especially if they want to portray them as our enemy. They should try to understand them a little bit more. But I think if they understood them a little bit more, they would realize that we have more in common with the Russians than we do with the Chinese, and definitely a lot there more than is. we do with ISIS. And and there it is. I think I think you just brought that. You brought the entire. I mean, you just tied everything together. I think with with that with that comment, mm-hmm. that assessment. Very interesting. Wow. Hmm. Well, Tim, we uh, we are at the the end of the broadcast. I want to thank you for for coming on this evening. Um, it was a, an interesting hour. Joe, I, I want to ask him, uh, how close are we? If we continue on this trajectory that, that we're on right now, and, and forgive me for asking this at the very last moment here, <laughs> how close are we to to a shoot I, I, war here? Like like I said when, uh, when we started, uh, this is the most worried that I have been in my career. Um, definitely for, for listeners of the Hagman and Hagman Report, if you have been one of these people who thought that, you know, since Trump was elected, uh, I can stop with my preparations. I can, I can stop, um, keeping my eyes open for what's going on in the world. Uh, this should be a wake up call that you need to get started prepping again and that you need to keep an eye on what's going on because in my estimation, and this is merely my opinion, we're probably closer to war right now than we've been in my lifetime. And I definitely think that in the coming weeks, there's going to be events that are going to happen. Some of them may not even be reported in the press, 
but there's going to be events that are going to happen that are going to take us even closer to war. That's uh, frightening. <laughs> Thank you so much. Outlaw Patriot News is the website. Uh, Sergeant Tim is the guest. I want to thank you again so much for joining us, uh, Sergeant Timmy. It was a, an hour uh, with a, a completely different perspective, which we love around here. And thank you so much for spending the time on the show tonight. Well, hey, thank you guys so much. God bless you. God bless your families. And God bless all the listeners out there. And God all bless right. you, too. Yeah, and thank you for everything you do. Outlaw Patriot News. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, read his articles his website and his uh, contributions as well as on Hagman Report. We thank him for that. He's a he's a very talented, knowledgeable man. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, we only have about a few seconds left. I want to bring your attention to HagmanReport.com. I just posted a story up there that's pretty interesting, and I, don't, I haven't seen it anywhere else today. Um, Hillary Clinton told FBI Mueller, FBI's Mueller to deliver uranium from the deal that she struck uh, between with the uranium and the Russians in 2009 with a secret plane side tarmac meeting where she was uh, tasking Mueller with delivering the uh, 10 gram uh, what, what do you call it the, the sample the 10 gram sample anyway it's the top story on HagmanReport.com here hold this <laughs> yeah and we will be back tomorrow we got a, a great week of shows lined up for you some very interesting guests, some new guests, and we will see those tomorrow. And until then, stay safe, God bless, and have a great evening.